Broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy, on a small planet called Gekonia, east of the albino hills and south of the raging leucistic river, comes the one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. Uh, Good evening, folks. Tonight is a special edition of Gecko Nation Radio. Um, We're going to try to do shows when there are hot topics in the community. Uh, Right now, one of those particular topics is the issue of auctions. Now, it's creating a lot of controversy. Uh, Auctions in not just with leopard geckos, but also with ball pythons and other reptiles. Facebook has created an atmosphere where uh, breeders can basically auction off their animals, and uh, a lot of people love the idea of auctions. They think it creates a lot of excitement, and it creates a way for people to get good deals on um, some otherwise expensive animals. And then there's the other people that think it's a it's a situation that's totally destroying the market for these animals and creating um, a situation where the prices are no longer valid and uh, you know, investment quality animals that were, say, $5,000 last year are now hundreds of dollars this year. And there's a lot of gray area in between there. And, I, and one of my opinions on, on the subject is that our industry is still evolving. Um, we're still trying to figure this all out as a business. And um, when I grew up, when I was growing up, herpetoculture was really simple. Um, we were just trying to keep animals alive. We weren't even really breeding them, them that much. And now it's a whole different story. So we're going to talk about everything. And uh, Matt's got a, a unique perspective because he's uh, he's kind of right in the middle of the actual leopard gecko auctions right now. And I think he's one of the pioneers of auctions. He's, uh, he's definitely someone that's been able to use his Facebook page to draw a lot of people into the community. And that's what I like. Uh, people that can use their influence to create excitement and create interest for leopard geckos is important. Um, I try to do that as well with my Facebook page, the show, and, of course, my YouTube channel. So everybody out there, you guys all have your own way of doing things. Um, I believe it's all of our responsibilities to do everything we can to um, create enthusiasm for our, for our hobby, passion, whatever you want to call it, and also do whatever we can to... Uh, get new people involved because if it's just the same people doing it, you know, it's, you know, number one, as breeders come into this, if we're not creating new buyers and new followers and new people, new enthusiasts, we're we're just kind of stagnating. So we got to keep this growing. Eventually I'd like to see herpetoculture become mainstream. Um, And I think we're just on the, we're teetering on the brink of that. And it's, it's just a matter of time before it blows up. I think, uh, Brian Barczyk with his Animal Bites TV venture is going to be something that may help us branch off into the mainstream. Um, there's a lot of uh, – Brian talks a lot. You can, if you can go back and listen to his interview on Gecko Nation Radio, he mentions that he spends a lot of time talking to people that aren't even in the reptile community because that's the key. You want to get those people interested. We, we know who we are. It's like it's, you know, preaching to the choir. So the whole point is to get new people involved. So that should be – each one of that should, that should be a goal of each one of us. We should all be trying to figure out a way to get at least one other person involved. So if we can do that, we grow exponentially. That being said, 
tonight's going to be an interesting show. I want to let everyone know that's listening. We want to hear what you think about this. We want to hear your ideas. We want to hear your feelings. If you love auctions and if you think they're the best thing for the gecko world or the reptile world, call in and tell us that. If you hate auctions and you think they're the spawn of Satan, call in and tell us that, okay? The number is 646-478-5331. All right. Before we get started, we have to hear a word from some of our amazing awesome sponsors, and like I say all the time, these sponsor plugs are sincere. These really are some of the best breeders and businesses in the community. You can take my word. I stand behind them 100%, and I stake my reputation on theirs. These are great people to deal with. Now, I'm going to play some of them now. You'll hear some, the rest of them at the halfway point and all at the end. Check them out. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by... Ron Tremper is the biggest contributor to leopard gecko morph making. Known worldwide for his amazing examples of living art. You can now download his leopard gecko care app his Morph Encyclopedia app called LeopardGecko Pro, and visit his site, LeopardGecko.com, to see where morphs are made. GiantLeopardGecko.com specializes in giant and supergiant leopard geckos with a focus on selectively bred, exceptional lines of many different morph combinations, including high-end African fat tails and crested geckos. With over 17 years of experience in herpetoculture, Keith Kiggins brings you quality, integrity, and value. Check out GiantLeopardGecko.com on the web and on Facebook. Reptiles Express is the absolute best live animal shipping company with great low rates. Debbie is the queen of customer service and will make sure your precious cargo gets to where it needs to. They also have a wide array of shipping supplies from deli cups, snake bags, heat packs, and more. Visit ReptilesExpress.com and become a member today. And if you're looking for quality food for your dubia roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms2ent.weebly.com or... It can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. ABDragons.com is your source for the highest quality dubia roaches, whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps. ABDragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt Reptile Heat Tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out ABDragons.com online and on Facebook. All right, folks, so we're going to be talking a lot about Facebook tonight and how it's uh, basically affecting the world of herpetoculture. And we're going to focus specifically on leopard geckos tonight. We'll probably touch on a few other areas as well. Um, for those of you out there that aren't on Facebook, congratulations. You haven't been uh, sucked in yet. <laughs> um, I wish I could get out of it sometimes. But, um, I, you know, Facebook is crazy. It really is. And, but... If you're not on Facebook, it's actually probably a good thing for you. Um, 
it, it can, you know, there's pros and cons, of course. One of the things about Facebook is it stole a lot of energy and interest away from forums out there. But there still is one forum that is essential if you are a fan of leopard geckos especially and other reptiles. So check this out. Did you know that since 2006, there's been a treasure trove of history and information on leopard geckos and other species? Well, Gecko Forums is the most extensive database of leopard gecko history on the web right now. Take a look and delve into the past, present, and future of this great community. The biggest contributors, breeders, and hobbyists have left their mark there. Now it's your turn. Look, learn, and post away. Need a place to post animals for sale? Look no further. Visit geckoforums.net and become a member today. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to be the official radio show associated with Gecko Forums. Herpentime Radio is my inspiration for GNR. Justin and JD do a terrific show every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern and have an amazing archive of shows available for download. Visit them at blogtalkradio.com slash herpentime and on Facebook. All right, folks, we're not going to waste any more time. Here we go. Matt Ronick from Sassabek Reptiles. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Uh, hi, Gecko Nation. How are we going? Hey, good, good. Matt. How are we going hey, uh, with you tonight? Yeah, yeah, very good. Um, hey, Matt, you know, you're you're always in the middle of all the controversy. Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not sure, Dave. <laughs> but it, uh, <laughs> it definitely happens, and um, it uh, probably has, you know, a lot to do with you know, my involvement and being very, very visual in everything that happens, uh, or a lot of everything that happens, I should say. Um, and, right. you know, it's, it's definitely a, a double-edged sword. It's it's good in ways and it's bad in others. But, um, you know, I guess you got to chalk it up to any publicity is good publicity, I guess. Well, that's what they say, good or bad. I mean, there's people that love you and, there's, and then there's people that hate you out there. And I think... And I, I have my share of that, too. I think anybody that's in the spotlight, so to speak, that's making some noise, that's doing anything that's, um, I don't know, that's creating ripples in the pond, so to speak, is going to get the attention. And that, it's, like you say, it's a good thing and a bad thing. Um, now, you've been involved with leopard geckos now for how many years? Um, on the scale that I am, probably since, like, 2006 is whenever I you know, I really started to get into them heavy. Um, it was probably 2004, um, 2005 that I started to get back into them. Um, I had a few whenever I was, uh, you know, late teenager, early 20s, but um, didn't really do much with them. And then basically like 2006, 2007 was when it uh, kind of evolved into something a little bit more. All right, so you've been into it heavy for almost a decade, I would say, then. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, kind of scary, but, yeah, it, uh, it doesn't seem that long, but it's, you know, it's it's definitely getting up there on, uh, you know, 10 years, and it's, um, you know, definitely seen a lot of stuff happen in those 10 years. My point, that's where I want to go now. Like, in your time, let's, like, let's talk about the market first, and then we'll get into the idea about auctions and everything. Um, in your time in Leopard Geckos, what have you seen – happen uh, with with the evolution of morphs and actually creating a market where there really wasn't, you know, a, one that fluctuated much. I mean, of course, there was as, as over the years 
but it seems like the actual market has really, you know, been in a state of flux recently because of all, you know, and when I say recently, I say in the last decade um, with all the new morphs and everything and all the new breeders coming on the scene. So what, are your, what have you seen in your time with the market? Um, I, w- I would say it was much simpler back whenever I st- first started. Um, you know, back then it was, you know, basically just dealing with what was visual. Um, there, a lot of the, the morphs and combinations and stuff like that weren't actually even around yet. Um, I mean, you definitely had, like, the blizzards, the pattern lists, the, you know, three strains of albino, blah, blah, blah. But you didn't have, you know, the, the craze that happened probably, I would say, 2008 into 2009. Um, that's whenever, like, it, it started to get a little bit more crazy. And then it's just kind of evolved since then. Um, and, you know, you, you talk about the market. I think the the biggest thing that most people don't really understand with the market is that it, there's so many layers to it um, that it, it's kind of crazy. Um, I think a lot of people think of it as this one-dimensional thing that, you know, is in a constant state of being, and it's not. Um, it, it's a multi-layered, um, constantly evolving thing that if you don't pay attention to it, like, it can change month to month. And, you know, I think that's the thing that people really need to realize is that the market is, um, you know, constantly evolving. And it's, you know, and then you have to look at it as another aspect as well that just like there's different layers of the market, there's different layers of breeders as well. Um, there's your, um, you know, your, your hobbyist breeder that might have, you know, 20 adult animals and breeds a couple here and there. And then you have the, the ones that I call the big three that, you know, they produce over 100,000 animals a year annually. Um, so, you know, that's a huge difference in um, what kind of breeders people are. Um, and then, you know, there, there's basically the big three and then there's a considerable drop down to the, the next biggest size of breeder. Um, and then you're looking at, you know, maybe I would say around 5,000 animals. Some people produce 10,000. But, um, I mean, there, there's really not a lot of people that produce between, you know, 10 and 100,000. There's just like a void there almost. So, you know, how many animals they produce. And, and actually, I shouldn't say 100,000 because I think like, uh, John Mack and the reptile, or, uh, reptile industry, they produce around 60 to 70,000 a year, but that also fluctuates as well. And then the gourmet rodents, um, they produce like, uh, 100 to 120,000, I believe, is, is what their numbers are. Um, so right. you go from that, that size of production down to like the, the 10,000 mark, which there's only, you know, very limited amount of people to do that. I think there's like one or two that actually produce that many. And then it drops again down to, you know, probably four to 5,000. And then there's another considerable drop where you're down to like between 1,000 and 2,000. And usually even the people that produce 100 to, or 1,000 to 2,000 animals, um, there, there's not many of those either. I mean, there there's literally... I would say less than 25 breeders in the country that produce more than a thousand leopard geckos annually. So it's you know, mm-hmm. and then once you get down to below a thousand, um, there's there's a, a wider range of people at that point. Um, so you know you have to consider 
how big the breeders are um, whenever you're talking about their own market as well. Um, because, you know, smaller breeders can afford to hold on to stuff longer than, like, larger breeders. Like, the, the, the larger breeders, the big three, they don't hold on to anything more than six weeks unless they're holding it back for a breeder. So, you know, they're basically hatching out babies by the thousand and getting rid of them as quickly as possible. Um, so right. that's a totally different market than what, um, you know, the higher-end, uh, you know, breeder leopard geckos um, morphs are, you know, it's, it's just a totally different market than, you know, what, uh, you know, most hobbyists are doing, I should say. And the people, the breeders that supply the Petcos and the Pet Smarts, those are those big three that you mentioned, Reptile Industries, Gourmet Rodent, and uh, what's the other one? Uh, Reptiles by Mac. Reptiles yeah, by those, Mac, okay. So if yeah, those, listening, those are any of you, the... Yeah, hold well, hold on. If, 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 folks, if anybody's listening out there and you bought a gecko at Petco and PetSmart, and you're wondering what morph it is, um, don't contact me because I don't know. Contact either Gourmet Rodent, Reptile Industries, or Reptiles by Mac. Just want to put that out there. Because <laughs> us breeders, at least, I don't know, I think I get 25 to 30 of those every few days, it seems. Uh, what morph do I have? Well, I got it at Petco. What, what do I have? I said, I don't know. You know, contact those guys. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so let's just clear that up, folks. Um, we always try to recommend that you, you know, everybody starts out somewhere. Matt, you started out with, with Petco geckos too, didn't you? Yeah, I had, uh, you know, I bought two animals from Petco, and then, um, and actually I had never even bred those two. Um, they, uh, I, I actually don't even remember what actually happened to them. Um, it, it was one of those crazy I thought those you know, crazy uh, were the secret to the G project. No, 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 no. Def- definitely the G project in Petco. Um, I, I had a better chance of winning, winning the lottery than doing that. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's you know, that, and that's the other thing that people have to realize too is you know even big breeders had to start somewhere. And you right. know if it's a uh, if it's if it's a fifteen twenty dollar leopard gecko from Petco that got you know somebody started into you know in, into this hobby, then that's great. Um, yep. So that's, you know, that's we'll, we'll touch on that more whenever it comes to the auction stuff because then we'll, you know, have a better idea of, of that as well. Um, and okay, then well, as let's, far as... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, a lot of people out there, Matt, think that there's some kind of Kelly Blue Book, Blue Book value on leopard geckos. And if they have, for, for instance, a raptor, that a raptor should have, a certain price tag, and they, they don't understand that it's just not that easy. Let's talk about what makes it so difficult to put a price tag on a morph. What are the different uh, things that determine the pricing? Okay. Well, then, you know, that, that actually goes back to who the breeder is, um, like we were talking about, um, mm-hmm. and basically the... It depends on a lot of things about the breeder. I mean, it depends on the, the quality of the animals, uh, you know, their, how long they've been around, their reputation, blah, blah, blah. Um, that can all influence price on, you know, let's, let's just say raptor because you, you put that up there. Um, right. You know, rap, raptors can range anywhere from 10 to $15 to $2,500 depending on who you're getting them from, what the quality of the animal is, what the color is, eye pigmentation, it's hugely variable. 
Um, so that is one of those things that, you know, you really have to, you know, understand where the animals are coming from and, you know, who the breeder is and, you know, stuff like that. That can have a huge determina- huge determination on what, uh, what the price of the actual animal or, or the list price of it is. And, um, you know, that's another one of those things that, like, a lot of people really don't understand is how can one breeder have the same exact looking animal, um, you know, for a hundred bucks more or a hundred bucks less than another one. And it's, you know, right. it's definitely based on reputation and it's based on how long people have been, you know, in business and stuff like that. And, um, you know, and, and that has a huge effect. I mean, the the one that's more expensive might actually sell quicker because that breeder has a better reputation. And yep. it, it all comes back to um, an animal is only worth as much as somebody is willing to pay for it. And that is the bottom line, no matter, you know, what breeder it's coming from, what morph it is, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that's, like, the biggest thing that you have to understand is that there is no set price for any of these things. There is a rough estimated price of what some of these things should be, but at the end of the day, there is no set price and not even a guideline to go by. Um, because, as I said, the market is constantly evolving, and there's so many different layers to the market, and it, it's basically um, how how animals are portrayed sometimes. Um, how you know it, it could be as simple as how the pictures are taken. Um, that can determine how much an animal goes for. I mean, it, it's really variable. Your pictures are everything. Um, you know, if you're it, it, today, people are, and a lot. It seems like a lot of people are visual. But when you're selling an animal, and you're you're a breeder across the country, the only thing a person has to see is video or picture of that animal. So you really, you know, have to get your pictures looking very good. I mean, we've seen a lot of people exaggerate the color of their geckos. We've seen people be able to take the pictures just right, that it captures the actual beauty. Uh, To me, Matt, it seems that it can be very difficult, even with the proper lighting and with a good camera lens, to actually capture the true beauty of some of these geckos. Um, You you seem to do it pretty well. Uh, And uh, would you have any tips for people out there that are trying to represent their animals appropriately? Uh, Keep it very, very simple and keep it very, very consistent. Um, Make it so that if people are looking through 100 pictures of yours, that they all basically, the background, everything else is the same, but the animal is going to be different. That gives them a guideline of how that animal stacks up compared to other animals that are produced by the same person. If you're constantly changing the background or, you know, taking the, the picture in different lighting, using flash one time, not flash the other, outside in, in the direct sun, outside in the shade, if you're, if you're constantly messing with that, that has a huge effect on, you know, the, the psyche of the buyer, if you will, because what that does is um, almost makes it feel to the buyer that the breeder is trying to cover up for something because it looks different than another picture. Um, you know, and, you know, some people take, you know, very, very good photographs of their animals. And, um, you know, John Scarborough is one of them. Like, he has the most amazing pictures for his, his geckos 
that are up for sale. Um, mine, on the other hand, are very, very simple. Um, but I think the key is definitely to have a, you know, a very in-focused picture um, that portrays the animal as realistic as possible. Um, because if you if you don't portray the animal realistic and you send that animal off and it's not worth somebody else expecting, then you're not going to have a, a, a customer that's going to come back to you because they might feel like they're ripped off. Um, so that's the that's the major thing is making sure that it represents the animal as as true as possible. Um, if it if the picture doesn't do the animal as much justice, that's actually better than if the picture does it too much justice. So if you right. if you have to if you have to lean on one side or the other, um, you make it so that the animal looks uglier in the picture than in real life. If if you if if it's one of those things where you know, you can't get the lighting just right or whatever. Um, that way, the, at least the customer will be more than happy. And, you know, from the buyer's side, um, I always tell people, look at the carrot tail. That is your number one indicator of if the color has been messed with at all, is that the carrot tail is always the same exact color. So if you can get, um, if you see an animal that has, like, red carrot tail, the picture is messed up. Um, it's just, right. you know, it's, it's just not, carrot tail is the color of a carrot, I mean, it's orange. So if you can get an animal where the body color is more orangish red than the tail, then that's a very, very nice animal. Um, if it's, you know, more yellow, then it's, it's definitely on the lower end of what the coloration could be. Um, so there, there's many different things that you can look at the picture. If, if the picture hurts your eyes, then it's definitely been doctored. Um, that's just, you know, one of those rule of thumbs. If it doesn't look real, then it's not real. Um, right. So, you know, that, that's one of the main things that you really have to, you know, especially when buying online is, you know, breeders and sellers alike, they, the pictures should be a good representation of what the animal actually looks like. Okay. Do, do people necessarily need a DSLR lens or camera for, for this, do you think? No, absolutely not. The camera that I use, um, uh, it's probably about eight years old, and it's a 5.1 megapixel point-and-shoot. Um, I think I've taken pictures of it before so people can actually see what camera I use. And, I mean, literally, whenever it was brand new, it was 120 bucks. And, you know, it's and now you can probably find it on eBay for like $20. Um, so it's it's not about the camera that you're using. It's about the person using the camera. Um, that's the best way to look at it. Um, it's just like any other tool. If you have no clue how to use it, you can't use it properly. Um, it's like trying to, you know, put a put a screw into the wall with a hammer. Um, that's not the right tool to use. You know what I mean? So um, it can be done, but you're going to mess everything up. So, you know, it's just one of those things where you don't necessarily, necessarily need like a $2,000 camera to take, you know, great pictures. Of course, the best pictures are taken with, you know, a, a camera of that caliber, typically. Um, but, you know, that doesn't necessarily need to happen for just, you know, selling geckos and stuff like that. You can use a regular point-and-shoot as long as you know how to use it properly. Okay. Now, a lot of people are frustrated out there. Um and I would say these are first-year breeders that probably have less than 20 geckos, and they're they're producing decent stuff, you know, nice-looking geckos, and 
maybe they've bought their breeding stock from from you or John or myself or other breeders out there that, you know, have a decent reputation in the community. And their problem today is that they feel because they're not a big name or they're not someone that's, you know, well-known, they don't have a, a five- or ten-year reputation that they've been building, that they're having trouble selling their animals. And I, I know what I tell them. I, I mean, I tell them that if you're going to get into the selling end of this, that it's going to take time and it's going to take effort in establishing a uh, a good rapport and a good reputation does take time and you got to you know you got to earn it but there's a lot more to it than just that and what would you say to someone like that that say they bought some I don't know some beautiful G projects from you or beautiful white and yellows and they they they've bred them and now this year they have some really great looking babies and they have them posted for sale uh, probably a little less than what they've bought them for. What would you say to them? Uh, what would you tell them about how to, you know, go about helping to sell them? And what would be your advice to a person like that? Um, I mean, it, it's definitely one of those things that reputation is, is a huge thing. Um, you know, if you if you've only been around for a year or two, it might not be um, necessarily the animal that you're selling. It just might be that nobody you know, knows who you are or, um, you know, they, nobody has, you know, had experience with you. So whenever somebody asks around, they can't really tell, you know, tell a person that, oh, yeah, that person's really good. My animal's like great, blah, blah, blah. Um, so the, the reputation part of it definitely takes time. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's not one of those things that, you know, somebody can quit their day job, um, buy a bunch of leopard geckos and think that they're going to do well. Um, you know, right off the bat, it's it's definitely not one of those uh, career fields that you can do that. Um, you need to build a reputation and a collection over a, a longer period of time. Um, most of the people that do this for a living, um, they were breeding leopard geckos on the side for, you know, a period of time while still working, and then it just kind of evolved into a business for them. Um, you know, most people started off as a hobby for a while. And um, that's that's the biggest thing that you need to, you know, take into consideration is that a lot of the people that have been around for a while, I mean, they, they they work their butt off to get there. I mean, a lot of people work, you know, 40-plus-hour-a-week jobs plus doing the leopard geckos on the side, and that was just to get started and get everything moving along. Um, it, mm-hmm. It's very rare for somebody to just, you know, invest twenty thousand dollars or fifty or a hundred thousand dollars in the leopard geckos and be able to be a self-sustaining business, you know, for a long period of time. Because it, it usually just doesn't happen that way. Um, it's usually a a progression that you just constantly keep getting bigger and more well known, and then as you do that, it's kind of a snowball effect that um, more people recognize you, more people, you know, trust that your animals are going to be what they are, and it's um, it's definitely a progression. So for, for first-year breeders that are having trouble, like, selling their animals, um, you know, it might not be about the market. It might not be, you know, that simple. There might be a lot of other factors that might be, you know, equating into what uh, what you're trying to do. Yes, no, that's that's absolutely true, and well, it seems that 
well, I'm trying to think of the politically correct way to say it. Well, oh, we're, we're, all, we're all friends here, Dave. You don't have to be politically correct. <laughs> I know, right? I know. I got sponsors, so you know, I got to think about. Got to keep it a certain way sometimes. But I mean, we're we're going to tell it like it is tonight for the most part, man. I mean, we talked about it. We want to basically okay. talk. We want to talk about the business side of this, and you know, the business end of this. If you're going to think about this in any context for a business, and believe me, when you start breeding geckos, you don't think that you're going to start getting into the business and you're going to say to yourself, oh, I'm just obvious. But when it comes time, when you produce, say you buy five, ten geckos and, you know, in a year you're, you have 50 to 100 geckos that you need to sell. You're in the business, it seems. And, and, and then when that comes, you you either evolve or what you say, you just die, so to speak. You don't, you got to, well, why don't you finish where I'm going with this, man? What, what, you know exactly what I'm talking about, Right. What would you say um, to that person? As, as far as, you know, it's more than just a hobby a, a lot of yeah. the time. Um, you you yeah, definitely just, have it makes, to... It turns into it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah a, a lot of people, it, um, at, at some point, you'll have to have some sort of business sense to sell animals. Um, unless you're staying on a very, very small scale. Um, at some point, you're going to have to learn some some, some business and to move some animals, um, and that that's just part of you know part of the game. Um, you know, you can't just produce you know a thousand animals and be like, oh, these are just going to sell because um, it doesn't work that way. Uh, if you're going to be producing you know a good number of animals, I would say over like 50, you better be able to market them. Um, because if you can't market them, you're going to be feeding those 50-plus animals. And, Forever. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, I think a lot of people in some ways, like, sell themselves, sh- or not sell themselves short, but um, don't realize that, you know, all of this, everything that you do is a reflection of, like, you know, your business. And, um, you know, you have to, I mean, this this goes down to, like, even, like, we were talking about taking the pictures. If you don't have a professional-looking picture, or at least a clear picture, um, that just shows, you know, people that maybe you're not that serious about this, that you're maybe not that serious about it, you know, what is the condition of the animals that you're, you know, that you have? Um, You know, what is, you know, your care techniques? Like, it, it can it can start a snowball effect of a lot of questions that you know you you don't want. So the the best thing is to you know the the more professional you look in everything that you do, the more serious people will take you. Um, and that you know I I should you know probably take some of my advice sometimes because you know online I get a little bit feisty every once in a while. Um, but <laughs> it's. Uh, but you hold know, on a second. To your, to, to your credit, hey Matt. To your credit, you've only you only get feisty when provoked. You know, it's not it's not like you just. From what I can see, right? It's true. Most part, true. I mean, most most of the time, it's uh, that I get heated. It's over something that I care deeply about, or um, you know, I know that there is a different right answer than what people are putting out there, and. Uh, and, you know, some things there's many right answers for. Other things, 
um, are just blatant, uh, you know, attacks, I should say, on, on certain things, yeah. whether it be a breeder, a morph, or, you know, anything. Um, you know, there it, it, it's like I was saying about the market and breeders, how there's different layers. Um, there's a lot of different layers of understanding of leopard geckos as a whole. Um, you know, between the market and breeding and genetics and all that stuff. And and some people are on that very, very low end of it. And other people are very, very in tune with everything that are go- that's going on. And, right. um, you know, that, that's kind of where you have to realize, like, who you're talking to and, and stuff like that. And if it's somebody that's been around for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, you might want to listen to them because it's uh, one of those things that they're probably not just spewing BS out there for you. Um, so, uh, but, you know, that's, that's a different topic for another night. I think. Yeah. Well, it's part of the business too, though. If you start making some, some serious moves and like the way I see it, and this is, this is business in general and I'm still learning business. I don't know it very well, but what it seems like, okay, there are people that are in, the business they're not just well maybe they're hobbyists but a little bit bigger and you know they've they've been in it for a long time and maybe they've been at a certain level for all this time it seems that when someone new comes in that starts making big changes and makes a lot of noise um some people will be very happy to see that and congratulate that person and be very um what's the word be very I don't know, be very just happy for that individual. And then there's guys that will be like, well, you know, I've been doing this so long, you know, this guy's getting so much attention, you know, I don't get that intention. So then those types of people will attack that person. So the way I see it is yep. there's people out there, you know, bettering themselves, trying to better their business, and then there's people that are just the negative ones that will just try to, you know, zap that energy and just try to, you know, try to bring those types of people down. So it's either you're you're either trying to better yourself or you're trying to, you know, hold back the people that are trying to better. It seems like there's two, just, there's a distinction there. And though, and it seems like, to me, that there is a clear line. There's, there are these two groups that kind of congealed with each other. The ones that are trying to better themselves, better their businesses, and then there's the group that is definitely, you know, just trying to go after those types. And that, and I think that's business. That's just the way it is. Um, in every business, there's people that are, you know, doing the necessary things to promote their business and get bigger and bigger and do their thing. And then there's people that aren't. Um, is that what you've seen? Do you have any opinion on that, Matt? Uh, I think that's just life in general, actually. Um, it's, yeah. Uh, okay. It's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, if you're, if you're not trying to better yourself, um, you know, then you're, you're not getting better and therefore you're actually going backwards because the rest of the world is going to be evolving. And if you don't evolve with it, then, you know, you're going to be left behind. And right. it's, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, some people, um, I think, feel that, you know, trying to cut other people down gets them ahead. Um, and then there's the other people that, you know, get ahead by, by actually doing something. Um, and it's right. just two different types of people. And it's, um, you know, you're going to have that in anything whether it be, yes. you know, life and sports and, you know, business and, and everything. Yes. There's just there, there's just those type of people out there that um, they would rather, 
bring negativity to things than to bring positivity to things. And, um, you know, it's, it just is what it is. Yeah, and I, I do think, though, that it makes, you know, encountering that energy and, you know, rolling with it and surpassing it is necessary for anyone. It's like you have to earn it. You're, nobody's going to let you become the best at anything at what you're doing or nobody's going to let you uh, become a really good big business without you fighting for it. And so each one of these little battles that you face, whether it's on Facebook or in business or whatever, is a test. And, you know, it just makes you stronger. So, like, the ones that if you get beaten down, like, say somebody attacked, I'm sure people have, people have definitely attacked you, Matt. And if you took it seriously and let it really get to you and you would have quit over it, can you, you would never have gotten to where you are now. So these little tests in life and these people that test you, are, it's like a necessary thing. And I think it makes you earn it and it makes you appreciate more what you're doing and what you have. What do you think? Uh, definitely, definitely. Uh, I, I try to make uh, those type of things, um, you know, make me stronger, I think, um, just because, you know, it, it definitely lights a fire under you and it, uh, it, it definitely... Keeps you motivated. Yeah, it gets you motivated, it hardens you in certain areas, and it, um, you know, definitely can propel you forward if you let it, um, but it also mm-hmm. can eat you alive if you let it as well. So right. it is all about, um, you know, how how you handle the situation, basically. Um, so, yes. yeah. That, it's an important lesson, and I think people that are new, that are coming into this, should... Um, be prepared to encounter some of that too. Um, not everybody's going to like your presentation. Uh, I know that when I, you know, I do my YouTube channel, Matt, you do your YouTube channel. Um, when we put our videos out, most of the people like them no matter what. I mean, they, they like what you're doing. They see it as a gift that you're giving them, that you're allowing them to see your animals and you're taking the time to show them your your beautiful projects. And most people, 99% of them appreciate that. But then there's always that one person that will try to find the smallest flaw in your presentation. So, you know, these little things, I mean, I guess it's part of it. And if if you're hearing this now and you're listening to this show and you're thinking about becoming a, you know, becoming some kind of a reptile business or, uh, you know, someone that's going to become a breeder and sell their animals, you should be prepared for that. It's basically how you handle it, though. Um, I'm not a huge guy in this, but... As I've, the longer I'm in this, I've been doing this, you know, serious for about four and a half, five years now. Um, I get tested regularly, and each test I get a little stronger. And that's right. You're right, Matt. It does harden you in certain areas. But I don't think that we should get so hardened that we shouldn't help the new people that are coming in. And um, I don't know. I think that's an important thing because a lot of people are very it seems arrogant and they don't even want to take the time to help the new people. But um, I think it's important. You know, definitely, it's definitely. It's, it's, it's definitely important to, to help new people coming in um, and not just helping new people, but getting people into the hobby. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, right. you know, that will we'll definitely touch on whenever we start talking about the auctions as well, is, you know, that is a way to get new people into into leopard geckos. Um, you know, yeah. they, they might have gotten their first animal at Petco or whatever, and then they started looking around, and 
you know, they stumble upon a Facebook page or a website, and then they, you know, they start getting better animals. And I yep. think that's that's where, you know, we have to catch these people um, that, you know, got their first animal at Petco and maybe it died or, you know, it didn't do well or whatever. And then that's where we have to, you know, catch these new people and get them, you know, quality animals in their hands, and then um, they can grow from there. And what percentage of people that come into the gecko game actually go on to appreciate the finer animals, Matt, in your opinion? Uh, all right. Well, this, this is definitely, like, a, a hard question. I mean, there, there's, like everything else, there's many different layers to this. Um, there are definitely the people that um, buy high-end animals to use as breeders, um, I've also sold high-end animals to people that just enjoy them as pets. Um, so there, like I said, there's many layers to this, um, and it's uh, uh, you know it's it's one of those things where you know it's a very small percentage of people that'll actually buy high-end animals, and I think that's another thing that people need to realize whenever it comes to marketing. Um, and I'll just kind of touch on, like, how I sell my animals because I, I think that that's important as well. Um, okay. My super, my super high-end stuff is the stuff that I personally want to keep as breeders. And those are the animals that you'll see on my Facebook page that are for outrageous amounts of money that they, they shouldn't actually sell. But it's one of those things where everything has a price, and if somebody... Yeah you know, wants to give me that much money for the animal, they can have it. Um, because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I can make another one or whatever. Um, so a lot of my super, super high-end stuff is stuff that I actually want to hold back as breeders. And, you know, but on the flip side of that, um, you know, I, I put most every single animal that I produce up for sale at some point. And if it is you know, something that is, you know, a lot of money and, you know, somebody pays for it, like that is the start of their high-end stuff. Um, but, you know, they're, they, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about the, the layers of stuff that I have. Um, there's definitely that super high-end stuff that would be holdback breeder quality even for me. Then there's animals that are a little bit less expensive that, you know, if, if they didn't sell, I would still use them as breeders, but they're more to sell to the general public. Then they're, and, you know, the, the super high end range is like $1,000 and up typically. Um, and then you have the next range down that's probably from like 400 to to $1,000 that, you know, depending on the morph, coloration, all that stuff, that determines the, the pricing of that. And it's like I said before, if it sells, great. If it doesn't, I'll probably use it as a breeder as well, even though it's not my, like, super, super high end where, you know, I don't really want to get rid of it. More at a, a price that it, it could sell, um, you know, and, and I wouldn't be too too heartbroken about it. And then you have probably the, like, 150 or actually probably 200 to $400 range animal that that is your your step below what people would probably get as their you know top of the line breeders. This is just a little bit more advanced um, for the people that might be getting into something that they want to you know want a project whatever. 
Um, then you got like below two hundred, like I would say between a hundred and two hundred dollars. Um, you're looking at you know just that slightly, you know, more advanced thing than your ten dollar pet code gecko. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's the the hundred dollar less animal that you know typically those are just my you know byproducts and stuff like that of trying to produce like crazy combinations, whatever. Um, and those ones usually sell you know very very quickly as well. All of those animals, you would think that it's like a traditional bell curve where, you know, uh, the the mid-range stuff is what sells the best. And actually, it's like the total opposite. Um, The mid-range stuff is usually what you have problems selling the most, typically. It's usually the cheap Mm -hmm. stuff sells very, very well. Um, Your mid-range, there's actually like a dip in how much of that stuff actually sells. And then your super high-end stuff, then there is that, um, you know, that added, you know, thing that they're basically like my holdbacks. So those ones will actually sell pretty fast as well. So it, it's actually the, you know, the two to four hundred dollar animals that are, you know, well, two to four hundred, and then the ones that are a little bit more expensive as well. Those are actually the ones that you know stay on the shelf a lot longer. And I think what a lot of people are seeing, especially right now, is that those, you know, 200 to to $1,000 animals, those are the ones that aren't selling and people are freaking out. And whenever it's not the time of year to freak out about that stuff yet. Right now is like the, the baby season, everybody's growing their stuff up, so there are a lot more animals on the market. You, you hold on to that stuff until like August, September, October, and then that's whenever that stuff actually starts selling better. So right now, your your target animals are your super high range and your super low range, um, just because of the time of year. The super low range right. stuff, you want to move as quickly as possible because you know it's not going to be worth growing up. Um, as, as, from a business standpoint, you're, you know that that's not going to be a great business venture to raise that animal up to 50 to 60 grand because you're not going to make that much more money on the animal compared to what you would if you were selling it right off the bat. Um, right. And I, I should stop myself right there, too. This is based on being a business. This is not based on being a hobby, um, which I have definitely, um, you know, graduated into that, you know, this is a business. Um, and, you know, I, I love my animals. And, you know, it, it doesn't seem like going to work for me, but this, at the end of the day, it, it's a business that has to be self-sufficient and it has to pay for itself. If it didn't, I would be living on the street with no animals. So exactly. it's one of those things that they have, to, they have to supply enough money to take care of themselves and take care of me. Um, right. So back to this whole, you know, marketing and, you know, sales and all this other stuff. Um, definitely from, and I'll give you some time frame ranging to as well. Uh, usually it's like March to like July is whenever like lower end stuff will sell faster or if it's like super exceptional, it might sell in that conference. Super exceptional stuff, um, there's not really a, a period during the year that those animals were still sell or not sell. The super exceptional ones will sell no matter what time of year. Um, the the low-range animals, 
those will actually typically sell all throughout the year as well. Um, but I think what most of the hobbyists um, out there are, you know, trying to sell is that, you know, that that stage that's in the middle between the just better than low end and just lower than high end, which is like a huge range of animals that, you know, but that's typically what most hobbyists are going to be producing. And that kind of stuff, it actually doesn't sell real well right now because other hobbyists are producing their own animals and they're picking their holdbacks at this time as well. So, you know, basically once you get to August, September, October, most people have already hatched out what they're going to hatch out for the year and now they can start making those plans for the following year of what they need to put into their groups and put into the project, if that makes sense. Right. Um, no, it absolutely does. Now, with all those pricing structures, where does competitors fall into place for you, Matt? Like, um, at your level, and, and I, I know, I kind of can envision where you're at, and to, from what it sounds like to me, you're kind of new to where you're at, too. It's like a new level for you, too, right? I mean, so are, are you feeling pressure from competition, and how does that affect you, in a sense? Uh, as far as, like, other breeders go, like, it doesn't affect sales or anything like that, um, or at least not that I am ever aware of. Um, I believe that there's definitely enough sales out there for everybody. Um, I think mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, again, it's, it's based on a lot of layers. It's like, is you know, are you not selling animals because the animals are too high priced? Are you not selling animals because it's not reaching enough people? that would actually buy the animal. Um, there, there's a lot of different factors that go into go into actually selling animals. Um, so it's one of those things where I personally don't feel, um, you know, any loss of sales or anything like that, um, you know, during or, or from other breeders, I should say. Um, I think that it's definitely one of those things that you make your own market. Um, if you... Um, you know, have a Facebook page that only has 500, you know, 500 likes, it is not reaching as many people as, you know, a, a Facebook page that has 10,000 likes. It's just that that simple. And um, I think this is a good time to actually get into, um, you know, talking about Facebook and talking about the analyst, analytics that go along with Facebook that I think a lot of people don't even understand that part of it. Um, yes, and let's, let's definitely do that. But at nine o'clock, we're going to take our sponsor break. But let's let's definitely talk okay. about Facebook. Absolutely. All right. All right. Well, then let's let's just touch on it real quick, and then we'll go into more detail after the break. Um, okay. Basically, how Facebook works is there's a lot of analytics that are involved in to what pops up on your timeline, um, which you know you have your your Facebook page or your Facebook. Um, you know, profile, and then you have your timeline that you're always looking at. If you ever notice, your timeline always reverts back to top stories all the time. And basically, this is Facebook's way of showing you what you want to see. And how they determine what you want to see is by what you clicked on, liked, or commented on before. So let's say that, um, you know, let's say that, you know, John or Joey or like, you know, Jan or whatever you want to name the person that has, you know, that's on Facebook looking around at different geckos and stuff like that. Let's say that, you know, they 
they like one of my pictures and make a comment on one of my pictures. And But they also like 20 other different gecko breeders' pages. Because they commented or liked my page, or commented or liked on my page, it'll actually pop up more often on their timeline. Just because Facebook was like, oh, you liked this one before, so I bet you you'll like it again. So basically, it's kind of like this, you know, smart system that, you know, it's kind of like what Google uses, so that whenever you are looking up things on Google, that's how it determines what ads are posted on the sides of, you know, of websites whenever you're looking at other stuff. And it, mm-hmm. Facebook uses the same exact type of algorithm. And just to give you an idea of, you know, the algorithm and stuff like that is, you know, my Facebook page um, here, let's uh, I'll actually pull it up right now. Um, it actually has uh, four, over 14,000 likes, Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. so, but each post that I make, my average is only about, uh, I think it's around 2,000 people see it. Um, and that can actually vary as well, depending on the time of the day, um, you know, if it's a picture or if it's just like a written post. Um, but typically it ranges between, I would say, 1,000 and 2,000 people will actually, it'll reach that many people. Unless, of mm-hmm. course, the people are sharing it or commenting on it or liking it. Um, if, you know, like the, like there was a couple weeks ago, one of my pictures got posted on the Reptile Report. It got, you know, shared, I think, like over 100 times or something like that. That boosts your analytics and it causes more people to see that post. So the more people that comment, post, and share it with other people, the more it gets viewed all over the place. And then just because of that, my page gets bumped up in how many people actually see it, like on their timeline, stuff like that. So there's a very right. scientific way of how all of this stuff works. And I think that we can talk more about that um, whenever we're talking about the auctions as well, because there is a method to the madness in all this stuff. Um, and it's okay. one of those things you just have to, you know, you have to realize what's going on so that you can use it in your advantage um, while you're doing your own marketing and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it's, it, it's two till the break, so why don't we just take the break now, and then we can uh, dive into the auctions whenever we come back. Yep, let's do that. All right, folks, hang tight. We will be right back. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by... Ohio Gecko is famous for amazing tangerines, snows, and other very unique leopard gecko projects. Thad also has some incredible fat tail morphs available from stingers to starbursts. Visit him online at ohiogecko.com and at Expos in the Northeast. He is also the owner of GeckoForums.net. Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need, from Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more, and all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com 
or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. Supreme Gecko is a great source for crested geckos, day geckos, and other species, including micro geckos. Wally Kern is a top-notch breeder and gecko enthusiast. Visit SupremeGecko.com for his available animals and supplies. Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types, from white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. Rainbow Mealworms is the largest worm grower in the world and selling to the public since 1956. If you need the highest quality mealworms, superworms, and crickets for your pets, contact them at www.rainbowmealworms.net. That's right, folks. And I'd also, also, excuse me, I'd also like to remind you that um, avdragon.com has a standard discount for Gecko Nation radio listeners. That's the word gecko, all in caps. You're going to get 5% off your order of Duvia roaches. And so definitely take advantage of that. And um, we want to extend um, a special uh, mention tonight to someone that's uh, having some health issues. Um, and we've created a new group uh, that's going to be handling auctions and sales for people in need, whether it's uh, because of hard times or whatever you know could happen, emergencies that come up. So uh, Jared Johnson is having some trouble right now from um, his operation is only the best geckos. But the group I want to mention to all of you is called Breeder Shield. Okay, it's on Facebook. Uh, so folks, join that group if you can, and take advantage of what we're doing uh, to help everyone that needs it, okay? All right, back to our topic. We're going to get into more about Facebook with Matt. All right, Matt, um, let's pick up right where we left off. All right, uh, we were talking about uh, Facebook and the analytics and all that fun stuff. The analytics, right. Uh, and I just want to mention, how did, how did this happen? And this is a good, is a good example. I, I made a post on my Facebook page, uh, David's Fine Geckos, and... I basically said, uh, this is a test post, and um, I want to see how far it goes. And I just put a picture of a couple with bright bells, and it was viewed by a thousand, almost a 1,000 people, and like 300 people liked it. I mean, I'm sorry, 300 people commented on it. And, but it, I, I only have like almost 6,000 likes on the page. It, it showed that it was seen by 11,000 people. How could 11,000 people see it if I only have... 6,000 followers. So, I don't get it. Basically, that is because um, let's say that uh, you know, one of your followers is friends with like 400 people or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. If one of, you know, one of the people that commented on that post, um, if, you, if you look on the, the very far right-hand side of uh, your Facebook where it has like your little chat bar over on the side, and then right above it, it is it, it shows um, you know where people have commented and stuff like that. Basically, if somebody commented on your picture, it shows up on their friend's timeline. So if it showed, like let's say that the you know that's the person that commented, you know only you know probably ten percent of his friends actually see what that person is commenting on because that's typically how it works. It's usually about 10 to 12% typically. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, 
you know, so that's like 40 people right there. So for every one person that commented, then there's that 40 people that saw that person commenting. Does that make sense? So that's those are the 40 yeah. people that you're yeah. actually not that don't actually like your page that actually saw one of their friends commenting on your page. That's that's how that okay. kind of thing works. But again, it's only like this, you know, 10 to 12 percent of people, and that's what I was getting to with you know having you know 14,000 plus you know Facebook likes. Most of my pictures only get seen by, you know, like, uh, I would say about like 1,000 to 1,500 people. Um, and that is because of the analytics that are going on. Um, and it's mm -hmm. one of those things that you can boost it if you want to by, um, you know, selling, um, you know, basically Facebook sells like this boosting thing so that more people see it. But $10 then you a start day, running. they took the $5 a day option away. Did you notice that? I, I I never sell anything, so like it's it's one of those things where I never have to buy any of that stuff. So um, because mm -hmm. that's and that's the other thing that I wanted to get in, into right now is whenever you start using Facebook to boost how many people see your stuff, you're not actually in control of who's seeing your stuff. Um, so uh, there was there was actually a uh, you know a very well known ball python breeder that actually bought, like, I think it was, like, 50,000 likes or something like that on Facebook. But what that does is say that, you know, and I think the person only has, like, you know, 60 or 70,000 likes on Facebook right now. So let's just take that 70,000 people that, you know, that like this person's page. If, if 50,000 of them are just, you know, clones or, or whatever, that, you know, don't actually, you know, matter, that actually brings down the amount of people that see your page that actually do matter, if that makes any yes. sense. Because you've got to remember Absolutely. that, like, you know, that 10 to 15% of people that only get to view your thing anyway, now you take 50,000 of your 70,000, and, you know, so that might leave, like, 1% or 2% of people that you actually want to see your content are actually seeing it instead of, you know, the 10 to 15%. So you're actually hurting yeah. yourself if you buy a Facebook like. Um, I've never bought Facebook likes because I knew how the analytics worked, and I would rather have my customers see what I'm posting than, you know, some clone in India that, you know, you're never going to get a sale. You know what I mean? So it's well, one of those things that the, most, the more organically you can grow, the better off you're going to be in the market. Some of us think that, you know, like we, we watch some of our competitors and we're like, ooh, they're getting likes, they're getting, you know, they're buying likes most of the time and they're catching up on you. But, um, you know, and when I was first starting out, that was one of my things where I wanted to keep my likes high. But now now I don't even care. I'm going to let them grow organically, just like you said. And, you know, if, if comp competitors want to go buy likes to, to beat me in that, that's fine. It, it, let them do that. I don't care about... The, the number of likes. I'd rather have the quality of likes met because and, you know the that's, people that, that's that like the page organically. Thing. Those are who you want, right? Yes, those are exactly the people that you want. The more you, the more you grow organically, the better off you're going to be in the long run. And I've actually heard of people that will actually, you know, delete people that like their page that might be from like 
you know, middle of nowhere and on another continent somewhere because you yeah, know they're not going to buy anything. Um, so, you know, I've, I've actually heard of people doing that as well. So that right. the people they're, that actually matter. Yeah. Yeah, the amount, of, yeah. the amount of likes that you have doesn't matter, you know, in the, in the, long, in the big scheme of things. No, no, it doesn't. Um, unless, you know, all of those people are actually paying attention to what you're doing all the time. Um, which, right. you know, most of the time it's not. I mean, here, here's a perfect example is, you know, I like Ben Siegel's page. And Ben Siegel has over 150,000 people. I think it's 150. It's like, it's something crazy um, that like his, his Facebook page that he runs all the auctions on. And mm-hmm. I would say out of, yeah, you know, out of the seven days a week that he runs auctions and he runs probably 20 to 30 auctions a day, I only get a Facebook, you know, thing on my timeline maybe like twice a week. So that just goes to show you that, you know, he's posting, you know, 30 animals a day for sale and then, you know, telling you updates of stuff to like go bid and stuff like that. And, you know, most of the people don't even get to see any of that stuff. Like sometimes people yeah. actually have to remind themselves to go look because um, I like to, you know, go look and see what stuff's going for and stuff like that. And literally, it'll be, you know, four or five days in between whenever I get a reminder to actually, like, go look and see what he's got available. Um, So, you know, you have to take a lot of that stuff into consideration. And I think what a lot of people, um, you know, what their problem with Facebook auctions is, is, you know, if you only have five or 600 likes on your page and, you know, you are trying to put up a gecko for auction, unless you're advertising that thing in other places, um, you're only looking at like 50 people actually even saw when you put it up. So it's one of those things where you really have to, you know, be careful and know how things work or, you know, people aren't even going to know that you're doing it. And, and that's, but that's why Ben Siegel is so successful is because he does it religiously every day at the same time of day. You know, people actually... They don't even get notifications that he's had as an auction up. They go to his page to look anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now there is a there is a flip side to this. Now you you want to make sure that you don't miss uh, you know someone's post that you're following. You can go on their actual page and click the the following area, right? Um, how does it work, Matt? Where you can actually I'm going to go uh, on your page I'm not, now just to. I'm not, I'm actually not sure if you can do it on business pages. I think it's just on personal pages, to be honest with you. Um, but um, I, I'm not sure because I don't, I don't actually typically, you know, hit the follow button on anybody. So. Well, that's what it is. If you follow them, you're gonna, you're gonna get their stuff. I think. Oh, here it is. Um, I, I just liked your page, and it says, "Get notifications." And then it also says, you can, there's a little drop-down next to the like button. It says, get notifications or add to interest list. I'm going to put get notifications. So liking it isn't enough. You have to like it and get the notifications. Oh, and get the notifications. Oh. Yes. So now if you go on Ben Siegel's page and you, and you do that, if you like the page, you go on his page and you click the little arrow next to like in the same click box as like, um, Click on Get Notifications. You won't miss any of those posts anymore. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, then, see, there you go. something new every day. 
Yeah. But uh, the, the flip side to that, the, the flip side to that though, is if you do that too much to too many pages, you might miss it on right. your timeline anyway because you know it'll you're, you're getting too many notifications and you won't ever see it. So that's right you now, know there, there's definitely a flip side to everything. Yes, and right now I'm having a, a good time deleting people like or unfollowing people that are on my timeline that post ridiculous stuff. I mean, I I I got a lot of friends on Facebook and that's cool. You know, and there, you know that's. I think it's. Uh, this is not on my business page. This is just on my 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 uh, friend page. Yeah. My timeline is filled with the most ridiculous stuff, man. You got to <laughs> see the stuff that people post. I can't even believe it. <laughs> Sounds like you hate Facebook, <laughs> and, Dave. <laughs> oh my! I don't hate Facebook. I just. I, I, I'm telling you, Facebook is wearing me out a little bit, though. It really is. I mean. Yeah, we need it today, and if you're sucked into it like we are, you can't get out. We're, you know, you're, we're we're stuck with it. But yep. some of it is just so so obnoxious. But basically, what I'm doing is I'm not going to unfriend people because then they get insulted. So I'm just going to stop following the ones that you know post the stuff that I'm not interested in. And yeah, yeah, you can do that, and they they don't even get a notification that uh, that you did it. So um, right, you know, they think I don't that want, you're yeah. seeing it. One time, I'll tell you a funny story. One time when I was new to Facebook, somebody was posting stuff all the time. It was just ridiculous, and it wasn't anything that interests me. So I actually consciously messaged them, and I said, I was trying to be nice. I was like, hey, listen, um, I unfriended you. It's nothing personal. It's just, you know, stuff that I just didn't want to see on my timeline or something to that effect. Well, they got yeah. all insulted, right? I didn't know about the unfollow button at that time. I was new, right? So they got yeah. all insulted and caused a big deal. It took two hours of back and forth PMing, and, and oh, it was just obnoxious. So now I'm so glad I learned about the unfollow button after that. <laughs> oh, so. yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's 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 new Facebook uh, user problems right there. Definitely. You're right. Exactly. All right, now listen, folks. Um, tonight we're we're gonna we're gonna start talking about the auction stuff now. And this is basically okay. caused. This has caused a lot of heated debate and just a lot of, you know, the, the people that, whatever. They, this is people that don't like auctions and, you know, they don't like to see other people making money sometimes too. That's That can cause, you know, strike a nerve and, you know, I don't know. There's so much twisted up in it. I want you guys to call in. I want you to tell us how you feel. If you think that auctions are ruining the market, if you hate them, I want to hear from you. If you think they're great and you think they're the way of the future, I want to hear from you, okay? I want all of you guys to take this opportunity to call in. The number is 646-478-5331. We do have some callers on the line. Let's take a call first, Matt. What do you think? And then we'll get into it. Sure. Well, yeah, let's take one, and then we'll we'll go over how I started with Facebook auctions and all that fun stuff. Okay, cool. All right, caller from the 419 area code. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Is this me? This is you, sir. All right, good. Um, I've actually bought a good handful of geckos from Matt uh, before. My my biggest question for Matt right now is when when a baby crawls out of the egg, how can you determine whether or not it's white and yellow? <laughs> how can you determine whether it's white and yellow or not? Um, basically, None of them <laughs> no, no, it, it, you, you can tell. Um, or at least I can tell because I've hashed out so many. Um, they they definitely have a different look to them, um, and it's one of those things where 
Um, the, the more you hatch, the more comfortable you'll be at identifying which ones are and which ones aren't. Okay. And it's okay, it, and like and like I've always said, it's it has a lot to do with what the pairing is, um, and uh, you know what are the pos or what is it the animal supposed to look like, and then whenever you get that one that doesn't look like it's supposed to, that's probably going to be your white and yellow. Right. right. Well. Uh, my uh, just for a little bit of backstory, my pairing was a uh, Super Snow Pet Radar uh, from John at Gecko Boa and a Max Snow Pet Bell White and Yellow from uh, uh, Gary Orner at Orner Exotics. And okay. the uh, the first two I got. It, 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 I, I've got big questions about. I've got one that is, it's definitely just a Max Snow, possible Het Bell, possible Head Eclipse. And the other one is a Max Snow Bell, possible Head Eclipse. And, and those are the two I'm on, a, on the fence about. But uh, the third one I actually got out of that clutch, I actually hatched out a Super Snow Bell that I know for a fact is a white and yellow. And uh, talk about an amazing animal right there. But um, I, I'm just I, I'm questioning the first two. I just I, I don't know I, I don't know what to look for. You know, those are the first three hashlings I've had from a white and yellow pairing. Um, I've got more dew out of the egg in the next couple of days, and I'm just kind of hoping to you know figure out what what to look for really. All right. Well, how about this? Why don't you send? Why don't you post your pictures in Gecko Nation, and uh, we'll we'll look at them during the week, and we'll we'll help you figure it out. How that sound? That's perfect. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. I just want to yep, keep yep, you more on topic right. tonight. Thanks. Thanks, bud. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Yep. Yep. No All right. Let's take let's take another call here. Caller from the four zero one area code. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey, what's going on, guys? What's Love up, much? How's it going? Not bad. Hey, um. I love auctions personally because you can actually get like a really good gecko with a good line for like really good prices. Um, my question is, I've been seeing some auctions online and stuff, and people saying like they're illegal because like certain taxes and states and everything like that. I was just wondering, do you guys know anything about that? Hmm. Animal uh, I've actually, illegal. I've actually never heard of anything uh, like that as far as like taxes or anything like that goes. Um, huh. I'm sure if, uh, if if there was such a thing, I'm sure Ben Siegel would have figured it out already. <laughs> to be honest, maybe with it's you, a state, with of maybe it's a does. maybe it's a state by state thing, or perhaps there's local laws. I don't know. Um, yeah, I've seen I, some people doing auctions and be like, oh yeah, do we can't say it's an auction. I have to say like it's a raffle or a giveaway or something like that. Hmm, uh, that's interesting. It, I don't yeah, know. it might depend on what type of of animal it actually is too, um, you know, because I mean some animals are illegal in certain areas. Uh, you know, there there could be a couple of different factors, um, but as far as I know, there's nothing illegal about Facebook auctions of animals on Facebook. Okay, awesome. All right, thanks, guys. Yep. Yep. No problem. Thanks for calling. Um, well, you know, Matt, I think if there was something illegal about it, don't you think Facebook would have taken them down too? You know? Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Facebook would have been all over it. Um, you know, because oh, it's, it's yeah. not just uh, you know, it's not just reptiles. There's there's a there's a lot of you know uh, people that do all kinds of stuff 
uh, on Facebook as well. Um, so right. it's one of those things that I think if if there was like some sort of epidemic that it was illegal, um, that we would all know about it pretty quickly. All right. Well, Ben Siegel is a good example of someone that has basically pioneered auctions on Facebook, and he's doing it very, very well. He's doing very well at it. And uh, basically what's going on is people are selling him their animals, and he's auctioning them. Is that what's going on with him? Uh, yes, basically. Um, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things where he is um, uh, not really a wholesaler, but like he he owns his own pet store. And this is just a you know a a separate thing of the pet store that basically you know lets him move animals much quicker and to a wider audience. And I mean, hmm. that's that's basically how I got into the Facebook auction. Um, it actually started with, uh, you know, with, with me and Brian Barczyk actually getting together. And he was auctioning off uh, leopard geckos that were from me. And, you know, because he wanted to have more variety because all he had was the snakes. And, you know, so he would put, like, ball pythons and corn snakes and stuff like that up. And then the leopard gecko part would be mine. And, you know, basically what I would do is I would send him, uh, I think we used to do, like, one or two geckos a day. And so what I would do is just send him the pictures. He would post them up on his Facebook. And then actually at the time, his daughter was the one that was in charge of, you know, running the auction, seeing who won, blah, blah, blah. And then what we would do was, um, you know, every two weeks or so, I would send him all the animals that were won during the Facebook auction. And I would actually send them to him. And then he would ship them out from there. Um, so usually it would be like we would, you know, I, I would ship them like, you know, 24 to 48 animals at a time, and then he would just ship them out from there um, in case the person mm-hmm. had won like a snake or whatever. Plus he gets a much better shipping rate because he, he ships constantly. So um, it was just, you know, better in that way and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of went from there to he stopped doing the Facebook auctions um, because they were they were just time consuming and they were just kind of a pain in the butt. And he noticed a, a dip in you know how much some of the stuff was going for, so he decided mm-hmm. not to do them anymore. Um, from there, I only was like was doing Facebook auction uh, for like kind of special occasion type things, like whenever I would hit like you know three thousand likes and then four thousand likes, and then that's kind of how like the Facebook auctions like kind of started rolling for me was basically for every thousand Facebook likes I would get, I would add another gecko to the the amount of how many geckos were being auctioned off at that point. And it was just kind of like a, you know, customer appreciation thing where, you know, I was like, oh, well, I got, you know, a thousand more likes, you know, here you guys go, you know, here's an auction, you know, maybe you'll get a better deal than what they're actually going for. Um, and then um, I have done a couple charity auctions uh, uh, I did one for Defending the Blue Line, which we raised close to $3,000 for them um, with, you know, animals that were just mined um, that, uh, you know, I put up like, you know, 12 animals or something like that. And, you know, some of that stuff actually went for, you know, a lot of money during the Facebook auction because it was for charity. Uh, I think that was one of the, the big, you know, things about it was people were willing to to you know, to bid a little bit more because it was for charity. 
and, you know, they mm-hmm. were getting good animals because I didn't, I didn't put up any, like, low-end animals. I put up all high-end stuff. Um, and then probably the the most recent one, which has been the, the highest in controversy, I started doing Facebook auctions a little bit more frequently. Well, I shouldn't say a little bit more frequently. I should say a lot more frequently. <laughs> Um, yeah. And it was basically a test to see how things were. Um, and it's, you know, back to that, the, the marketing and the uh, being in layers and stuff like that. The the first 10 animals that I put up, I had a pretty good range of animals from, you know, like the, the cheap ones to animals that were like, you know, 400 to $500 there was a couple of them that were pretty expensive. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of flack actually came from was because some of those high-end animals didn't go for very high-end prices. And, yeah, you pissed you know, off some people out there, huh? <laughs> well, uh, imagine how <laughs> I felt whenever I thought this animal was going to go for at least three, $400, and it goes for 100 bucks. And that's, you know, that's basically... That's- that, that sucks. That's, and when I think of auctions, put your, Matt, your, uh, your balls on the line there and, you know, just yeah. get them ran over by a truck. So, oh you know, it's, it's, so it, it, it goes back to that whole double-edged sword thing where, yeah, I might have made 100 bucks, but, you know, I didn't want to sell it for $100. So whenever people Jeez. started, you know, complaining, it was, it was one of those things where it was like, well, did you really want think that that's what I wanted to sell it for? You know what I mean? So... <laughs> Um, right, but that that was you know the the first auction that I did um, that had the ten animals in it. Um, since then, I've done probably uh, there, there's probably been like 140 animals auctioned off since then um, because I was doing basically ten a day, and it was over the course of you know a couple weeks. I would do like you know four or five days in a row, and then take a break, and then do some more just. You know, so I'd kind of get caught up with everything. And um, basically what, you know, it ended up being was at at some point I was just like, you know, I, I just can't put up, you know, higher-end animals. And, and that's where the – it basically just turned into, you know, me putting up the lower-end stuff and, you know, just moving that stuff out. Because you, you got to remember, up here in the Northeast, we don't have – we don't have shows every month like down in uh, like Florida and places like that. So, mm-hmm. and that's that's typically where I sell a lot of these lower end animals is just the shows to like kids and it's their first gecko and blah blah blah. So a lot of these animals that you see on my Facebook auctions right now are those animals that I typically just take to shows and I sell to kids. But I'm, I'm looking like, at well, them. There's nothing know, high end really. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that there's probably only been, I would say, less than 10 of them that have been worth more than, you know, 150 bucks or whatever. Um, so, right. you know, there's there hasn't been that many that have been high-end. Um, the, the, the Friday the 13th <laughs> auction was a little bit different, um, where I put a couple, like, higher-end ones up. Um, but, you know, other than that, and the the first ones, of course, um, they've all been pretty low end animals. At, at the same time, that's what some of these people are looking for. And it's like it's like I was saying before, you really have to know your market and know what's selling right now. And right now, right. It's, it's the lower end stuff. And you know, a lot of these people are going to be more than happy with the animals that they got because you know, 
and that's the other thing with doing these unsexed auctions is a lot of these animals are going to look a lot better whenever they're 15 grams and able to ship. Um, and there, there's already been a couple of them that, uh, you know, I was like, wow, this one is really, really changed, and why did I put this one up for auction? Um, mm. But, you know, that's just one of those things. And it's, uh, um, I, I can definitely tell you that, you know, selling some of this unsexed stuff without knowing what it's actually going to look like before you ship, um, sometimes it is very, very hard because you end up shipping an animal. Yeah, you end up shipping an animal that you're like, wow, if I just would have held on to this for a couple more weeks, um, I would have known that this was a holdback quality animal. But at the same time, um, you know, I did this last year as well where, you know, some people got some really great deals on some stuff. And, you know, they were super, super happy. And, you know, that's, that's what it's about at the end of the day. It's like, you know, making your customers happy and, you know, they, they don't feel like they got ripped off. You know what I mean? They feel like, wow, like this, this animal is freaking outrageous. And, and that's, that's, that's what it's basically for is for those people that they're, they're not too concerned whether it's a boy or a girl. Um, you know, the way I incubate, I would say that 80% of the unsexed ones are going to be girls, so it's a very, very good possibility that it'll be a girl. Um, but, you know, at, at the same time, it's, it's still taking a chance. But, you know, with that chance, you get the animal at a cheaper price as well. And that's, that's kind of one of those things with the marketing and stuff like that is that, you know, some of these animals will go at a, at a smaller size, but you just don't know what, uh, what sex they are. See, now, I, with my projects here, and I, I made a comment in, in the group uh, the other day, um, I've really went out of my way to, you know, handpick all my animals here. And I, I definitely feel that based on the thousands and thousands I've invested in this, that my animals aren't – I don't breed – I don't have a lot of low-end animals. I don't have a lot of animals that are mid-range. I, I, most of my animals are, are the result of three, four years of work and – you know, I just I just don't feel like they're auction quality animals, and I'm I'm not the type of person that's willing to put up a unsexed baby and run the risk of you know passing on something that I could get three four hundred bucks for if I just hold on to it for a couple months. So that that's that's where I'm like that's why I haven't done an auction yet. But I can see why it works for you and you're you know in what you're doing. But yeah. from from my perspective, my perspective it's kind of scary for me and. You know, it, and it's only because you know I've invested a lot, and you know you you have too, and we all have. But yep. you know, I'm kind of like really undecided about doing auctions, and that's why I'm, part of me wants to do them. Man. Part of me's like, yeah, this will be great, this will be fun, and then the other part of me's like, well, just hold out, don't don't do them just for do the sake of doing them. You know, just yeah, uh, and you then- know yourself. And that, that's the main thing that you can't do. You can't do auctions for the sake of doing auctions just because you want to sell the animal. Um, you know, there there has to be a lot of strategic planning in what you're actually doing. Um, and, you know, for, for instance, you know, basically I didn't start my auctions until after um, I had that huge surge because of the, the post on the reptile report. At that point, there were a lot of people like visually seeing my page and you know i i've i've kept track of it you know throughout the winter and stuff like that my facebook page and and there were times whenever my facebook page was like flatlined 
because, you know, I wasn't posting anything. I wasn't doing any of that stuff. So you really have to, you know, boost your analytics if you're going to be doing Facebook auctions. Because if you don't boost your analytics, then, you know, nobody's going to see your stuff. Um, what, do you mean so boost your, the, what do you mean by that analytics? What do you mean? What can you do there? That, like to boost it? I mean, you have to have, yeah. uh, you know, post like some nice pictures that people are sharing and commenting on and stuff like that. I mean, if you actually notice, like, and this is, you know, one of those things that uh, I probably shouldn't really be telling people, but before any surge of auctions that I do, there's always like a day or two of me promoting the page so that people are actually looking towards the page. And then once you like do that, then you can post the auctions because then it boosts your analytics and more people are actually viewing your page. Right. So you have to be very, very strategic in how and what you're doing everything. Um, yeah. So it's, it's one of those things that you have to be paying attention. Like this isn't just like, you know, a random mat just throws up 10 animals and, you know, here you go. Um, it is it is very very calculated um, and it is very very um, you know it, it's it's marketing and that's basically what it is. Now, and, well, we don't want to give away all your business secrets either. I mean, that's the thing. Don't you feel though that people that are trying to make a business of this, they should learn the ropes too, just like everyone else. Don't you think? That's the thing, um, and it's one of those things that uh, you know, even me telling little you know, tips like that, like, that might not help. I mean, because there's a lot more that goes into it. Um, yeah, you know, that's just that's just part of it. This is just, like, the tip of the iceberg type of thing where, mm-hmm. you know, and then it, it's like, you know, you kind of have to, it's, it's like you were saying about your post that, you know, you had a lot of views and stuff like that. If you don't keep those views up, the views go right down. So right. if you're not constantly, like, pumping stuff into it, like, you're you're not going to keep up the analytics. The analytics, like, fall just as fast as they go up. So you really so have you gotta, to... you got to post several times a day. Basically, yeah. I mean, I know of people that they literally schedule posts for, you know, maybe five, six times a day. And it's mm-hmm. uh, one of those things that they do it all in the morning, and then they the, 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 the posts will actually pop up throughout the day so that the person doesn't have to do anything. And that literally gets people involved all throughout the day. And then whenever you're doing hmm. that, that just boosts your analytics, and it actually causes more people to view your page. Right. So, right. you know, so. These, these Facebook auctions aren't just, you know, people posting pictures of an animal to throw up on auction for the sake of doing it. Or at least it shouldn't be like that, but a lot of people do it like that. I mean, the other thing, too, is like, you can't post a picture of an animal for sale for 75 bucks on your page and then throw it up for auction and expect to get more than $75 for it. Like, it's just not going to happen. Exactly. You, already, right. you already set the max bid uh, because you posted that animal for sale, and that's the max bid. So, you know, nobody is going to bid $76 because mm-hmm. if they bid that, like, they would have just bought it, like, you know, whatever you put it up for sale. So there, there's when a I lot of, of little auctions, things like that. What was that? Right. And when I when I think of auctions, man, I think of people in a room shouting and screaming and, 
you know, I think of like the Sotheby's auctions or these really fancy auctions with like high-end animal, with high-end items, and I, I picture, you know, them going for sometimes more than they're actually worth. And does that ever happen with Facebook auctions in your in your case? From what you've seen, yes, do the animals ever go happened. for more? It, it has happened. It's uh, it's usually pretty rare that it happens, um, but mm-hmm. it's one of those things that makes Facebook auctions what they are is that excitement of trying to win that animal. Um, yeah. If you have one person that wants that animal, that animal is not going to go for very much. If you have three people that want that animal, it's going to go for a lot more. So Who wants it really worse have, than the other? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you mm-hmm. know, that's where, you know, you have to have overtime auctions because if you just have the auction ends at 9 o'clock, somebody comes in, snipes it for $21, then that's it. You've made $21. How does... You, How does an overtime auction work? What is it? What's the difference between an auction and overtime? An, over, an overtime auction is basically uh, like bids actually add time to the ending time of the auction. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like on eBay, there is a set time whenever that auction ends, and usually people come in and snipe it at the last second, and you know they bid a penny over what you did, but it was the last second, so that's that's the final bid. With overtime, people can't do that. And, you know, it actually, overtime auctions help protect the the seller, basically. They're, they're not as beneficial for the, the buyer. So basically mm-hmm. that's why a lot of people have went to the overtime system is because then people can keep on bidding. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've actually seen some of my auctions that they would go for like 20 minutes over the scheduled time because two people really wanted it and they just keep bidding it up. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, if you are going to do it, I would definitely recommend using the overtime system. Um, But again, like everybody does things their own way. So um, it's Mm -hmm. just, you know, one of those things. So what about, do do we have any more, do we have have any more, uh, a silent auction? I, I don't yeah. think you can actually do a silent auction on on Facebook because everything's visual. Okay. You All know right. What let's I mean? take another call. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. Caller from the two six nine area code. You're live on Destination Radio. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Good. How, are How are you? Who's this? Oh, not too bad. Uh, actually, my name's John. I've actually uh, just recently. Won one of these fine animals and mats off of a auction, and I'm all for them. That's uh, most definitely made something that I'm capable to uh, and possibly, you know, build a pretty good collection with. Well, okay. I definitely, uh, I definitely appreciate you bidding, and I'm glad that glad that you like the Facebook auction. For sure, for sure. Dave, you put together some nice stuff too, sir. Oh, thanks, thanks. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Maybe I'll just start doing some auctions in the future too. We'll see. Well, well actually, actually, this should, this should be a good test. Actually, um, since you actually won one of my auctions, how often do you see all of my posts on your timeline without uh, you actually going to my page? Uh, to be honest with you, they uh, regularly here lately. I've been doing a lot of. Uh, back and forth, so they've been showing up on mine, but I know that if you don't go to something for a certain amount of time, that it will start to not show up on your timeline. Okay. All right. So for, for right now, I'm getting them. 
Yep. And then see, see, David, that just goes back to that whole, you know, you gotta, yep. you know, keep keep feeding the fish or they uh, they don't come. <laughs> they swim away. <laughs> yeah. All right, John. Yeah, exactly. John, thanks for calling in. Yeah. All right, guys. Have a good night. All right. All right. Let's take another call here. Caller from the five one seven area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hello. Can you hear me? Yep. Can you hear you? Who's this? This is uh, Brett Justin. Hey, Brett. How are oh, you? Hey, Brett. How's it going? Good. Good. How are you doing? Good. 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 I was Brett, Brett actually I had won a... a couple other animals for me as well. Yep. I was actually just calling to ask, where would you suggest going with those animals? I know that people are saying, you know, that lower end or something. Where would you suggest going with breeding them, I guess? Like, um, you're trying to... It, it all... Yeah, it all depends on which animals you got. Uh, I'll have to look uh, on my uh, on my sheet. The majority of them I got were the oh, I'm sorry, were the tangerine head marbleized. Were the majority of the ones I went for. Okay. Well, then uh, definitely what you're going to be you know trying to get then is the the marbleized stuff. Um, and you you probably just want to you know after you breed the ones that you got together, just keep uh, selectively breeding the best looking stuff or the most unusual stuff of marbleized. And then just kind of okay. line breed it as you go. All right, awesome. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I guess I don't really have any other questions. I just I really like the uh, auctions. They're kind of hard to follow. I heard you were just asking him about like uh, how easy it is you're posting them. Pretty much, yeah. I just kind of check your page every day because I never get not like I, I follow you and everything, but I never get a notification. No, you don't have them. So pretty much just. So I pretty much check every day about five o'clock ish. Nice, nice. Yeah, and that, and that, so that definitely goes going. back to uh, that. That definitely goes back to you know you have to be really, really consistent of when you're posting it because you know people expect it at a certain time and stuff like that. Just like uh, Justin just said, um, you know he checks around five o'clock, and that's typically around when you know I, I at least make sure that they're up by then if I'm going to do them. Um, just to give them right. enough time to have you know people bidding on them, and it's it, it, and there there we go again. There's the uh, the analytics taking effect where you know he's actually won the at least two or three animals, and he doesn't even get the notifications that they're actually happening. So that's uh, yeah. that that just goes to show you that, like how the analytics actually work and stuff like that. Brett, go to the pages that you like and go to the like button and click that little arrow to the right of it, and it'll drop down, and it says, Get Notifications. Click on Get Notifications, and you'll never miss another one of those posts. Alrighty. I would do that. I would definitely second check that to make sure that I am doing that. All right, yeah, well, do that on all the pages that you like. All right, thanks, Brett. <laughs> cool. Yep. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's go ahead and grab this next caller. Caller from the 432 area code. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi guys, how's it going? Good. Who is this? Oh, it's Daryl. What's up, Daryl? It's Daryl. Oh, hey, Daryl. Yeah, he, you guys uh, are are just putting me in the uh, tomb here. I'm fixing to sell off everything and get out of the hobby. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't get out of the tomb, there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, my two cents is is if you want to do an auction, do an auction. If you don't want to do an auction, don't do an auction. It's up to you. It's your your animals, you can do with what you want. But I agree with you that Facebook is, they're really hampering how you have to do it 
no doubt, to get it out. And that that's the key. If you're going to do an option like, like Matt's talking about, you have to get the eyeballs. If you don't get the eyeballs, you're not going to get any bids. Yeah, and I think that's what scares people is they they see some of these Facebook auctions that literally have no bids, and they're like, oh my gosh, like you know, the world is falling apart. Nobody can sell an animal, and whenever it really has nothing to do with that, it's it's just like you said that you need the eyeballs on the auction if you want to get any bids. And you know, some yeah, you take, you take somebody like me. I could throw up an auction tomorrow, and nobody's going to see it because I don't have a page, you know, just a personal page that doesn't have any follow anybody following me because I'm on the hobby side, of it, not the business side. You guys on the business side really have to manipulate that to get yep. the views up, and Facebook is making it more and more difficult. You know, yep, it, it, it's too bad that we don't have. Uh, you know, you, you're talking about eBay. It's too bad we don't have a place like eBay where everybody could go there. You could see every auction that's available, um, you know, at, at whatever you want to look at. You know, if you want to look at geckos, you could go to gecko auctions. If you wanted to, you know, look at lizards or frogs or snakes or, you know, I mean, like just like eBay does it. But yep. doing it the way, the way Facebook campers you, um, unless you're – Unless you're big time and and really manipulating the numbers, it's going to be hard for you to do an auction unless you do it on somebody's site. Yep. And yeah. I, I totally agree with that. And it's uh, you know, and it's it goes back to that whole thing that Facebook wants you to spend money for people to see your stuff. And Absolutely. The part, and the unfortunate part about that is, I might spend three thousand dollars on Facebook to uh, show my stuff to a bunch of people, but what if they don't like geckos? And I'm not that $3,000, exactly. you know what I mean? So yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It, it, it's really about manipulating your numbers with your audience. Like it's, it, Well, it, Zuckerberg it's was smart. He came out and did it. He, he did it just like the cocaine dealers. Everything was free. <laughs> everything was wide open at the beginning, and then when he went public, he had to monetize. Yep. He had to yep. figure out some way to make money for the shareholders, so this is what you get. And he's yep. got everybody roped in, you know, I mean, from little grandmas. You know, most of the millennials don't use Facebook anymore unless it's it's something special, you know. But, I mean, he, he got the numbers roped in as far as eyeballs for the whole page, for the whole Facebook phenomenon, and now he's having to go in there and monetize it for the shareholders. Or they yep. get on his back, and so here, this is what you get. You know, I mean, it wouldn't wouldn't shock me. I mean, he never, I, in my opinion, he never dreamed of people starting to auction stuff on Facebook. If it's really, if there's other people doing it in other industries, just like the reptile industry, and I'm sure there are. I mean, I hadn't gone and looked at it, but he'll figure out how to monetize that too, just like eBay. You know, yep. he may come out a year down the road and say, "Okay, all you guys that are doing auctions." You got to pay me five bucks, you know, yep. to even be able to put an auction up. Don't don't be surprised if that doesn't come down the pike. Yep. And so my uh, question to you guys, go ahead, go ahead. And and that's it's like I said, that's that uh, whole evolve or die mentality. That you know, literally, I'm just riding this wave right now. But it's like it's like you're saying, in two three years, I might not be able to use this. So you have to keep evolving in what in what you're doing. Or you know you're just going to get left behind, and it's uh, it's like you said how how it was it used to be really really wide open, 
And, you know, the analytics were different then, too, where I could sure. show something and everybody would see it. But now it's sure. like, I mean, look at the, the people that have just called in. Um, you know, both of them have won Facebook, or won Facebook auctions from me, and only one really even gets any notification that they're even up. So it's right. it's getting harder and harder, and it's uh, it's one of those things that I think a lot of people just don't understand the the whole dynamics behind everything, and and they they you know bitch and complain about it basically. Yeah. Well, here's <laughs> a question for you guys that, that the mm-hmm. for the new the new new kids on the block. You know, I mean. Obviously, you know, I always said I would never do Facebook. You can ask Dave, you know, early on I wasn't on Facebook to find you guys. I was using my wife's account just to look at your stuff. Even whenever I bought stuff from you, Matt, you know, I was on my wife's account. And now, you know, now I have my own because, yeah, I got forced. I mean, you know, I always said I'll never do Facebook. You know, I I, I just didn't like it. But anyway, my, my question is, I know that you guys, like Dave, you and Dave, do a lot of of uh, advertising, so to speak, or, or listing your animals on your availability page, and so promoting. Facebook turned in, yeah, promoting. Facebook turned into quote unquote your web page, basically. Yep. And so you see, people have gotten away from web pages, but I think in the future you're going to see that trend revert back the other way, because of the way Facebook is doing things. I think you're going to, you know, take somebody like John. You know, he he does nearly 100% of his stuff on on his website. Yep. You know, uh, so it's obviously. Go ahead. So obviously, you know, that's still a viable option as well. My question to you guys is: Okay, you've got a website. Y'all may not use it a lot. You've got Facebook. You know, you do shows. That's a totally different different outlier as well. But. Where do you sell the majority of your animals? What's your biggest percentage of sales? Does it come off your Facebook available page? Does it come off of a website? Does it come off of just word of mouth? What is your you biggest? You go first, Matt. All right. Before uh, 2012, um, I would say 95% of my sales were at shows. Um, right. 2012, um, you know, I decided to turn it from the hobby to the business. And right. that's whenever I did probably 95% of my sales online and only did, you know, the 5% of the shows. And that was a huge jump in the opposite direction. And it was right. it, it was definitely a long time coming as well because um, for a few years before that, the market was super, super soft. Um, and I just wasn't into it as as a business like I should have been because I was doing a lot of other things. I actually still had the job. I was still going to school, um, you know, just starting my family, stuff like that. So there wasn't a whole lot of time to really spend on the business. Whenever I decided to go the business route, there was a ramp up to it which basically was the YouTube videos, uh, stuff like that. Like I started going more on YouTube, started posting more on Facebook, created the Facebook page itself. Um, well, actually it was created a little bit before that, but I started posting more heavily on it and really getting the, the Facebook stuff going. And, you know, that's whenever it, it definitely turns to Facebook. Um, you, you, you do mention like websites and stuff like that. For me, it's just easier to use Facebook because it's quicker. 
and then I only have to turn <coughs> off in one place. And it's and, and you know basically I use Facebook as my my website where it has right. my availability page, all of my <coughs> you know history of you know anything that I've ever done. Um, like I don't even use email anymore as far as you know getting in touch with people. It's everything is through Facebook messaging. And it's it's kind of funny because like I actually broke my Facebook messaging, like where I can't actually search through my messages anymore because I have so many messages that it, it won't let me it won't let me search. Um, and I was actually joking with somebody the other day because um, with this new Facebook um, uh, adaptation that they just did, I actually got to see how many unread messages I had. And most of my unread messages are, you know, like people that, you know, just saying, okay, thank you, or, you know, just responding back, like, after I've answered a question, or it's like Dave was saying earlier, like, you know, people asking me what this morph is, stuff like that. And it literally popped up that I had 997 messages in my inbox that were unread. And I was just like, wow. Like, that is just... How do you even deal with that? Um, basically, yeah, and a, and a couple of those are mine, Matt. <laughs> well, uh, basically, they have a new thing where you can just say, uh, you know, re- uh, read all messages. So I just deleted it down to zero, and now yeah. I'm actually <laughs> able to keep up with it a little bit more. Um, but you know, that just goes to show you like how much you know traffic is actually on the or on Facebook for me. Um, I know Dave does stuff a little bit differently, and I know John does stuff a little bit differently as well. And and I think that's good that we all do stuff differently. Um, I remember whenever I literally drugged Dave to Facebook because he wouldn't get on. Pretty much. And I was like, listen, dude, I was yeah. like, you're missing out, like, big time. I was like, yeah, yeah. Facebook page, you will not regret it um, as far as, like, like, the sales like 50 times, too, before I actually did yeah. it. Looking like, Dave, you got to get on Facebook. you got to get on Facebook. <laughs> Yeah. And now look at Dave. He's got he's got like eight different pages and groups and all this other stuff. Like yeah, oh, yeah. completely Face, miserable. Facebook. Yeah, he's a Facebook connoisseur well, now. So. But, yeah, uh, I kind of got hung up in all your trials and tribulations when you were moving and doing all that because I was still interested in a mail for the G project, which I never never got in contact with you to get one, and so. I ended up having to uh, breed my G projects to an extreme in marine mail that I got from Ron Tremper, which is turning out some pretty good stuff. But oh, that, yeah, I still need to get one from you. Okay, well then we'll we'll definitely have to hook you up this year with something, and then uh, yeah. get, get that get that line just uh, solid G stuff. Um, definitely the marine stuff will will give you some cool looking babies as well. It's it, it's kind of the same same type of stuff, so um, right, it, it definitely right. should pr- yeah. should produce some good babies for you as well. And uh, yeah, the yeah. Uh, the the move, yeah, that was you know a few months that I just want to not remember. <laughs> so, oh, exactly. No, I, and I I don't hold that against you. I was just saying I it got I got hung up in all that. So yeah. Anyway, I didn't, it didn't bother you. I didn't want to bother you either as well. But yeah. But no, it's interesting. You know, I I think that the auction. You know, like we said, I, I think you you know I think you're right. I think you've got some people that. Uh, Maybe don't have the available cash to go the high end route, and it's it's good for them, you know. And then because you, you, you take somebody like like myself, you know, I know what I want, and I'm going to go get. It. I'm going to find it, 
you know, and I'm going to get what I want. I'm not going to wait for an auction and try to save a hundred bucks on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And there's 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 people out there that way that know what they want. They're gonna they're gonna get a few animals that that they like and they want, and they're gonna get them no matter what. Yeah. You know, now they're gonna they're gonna do their due diligence and they're gonna find out where to go get them from. You know, if they're smart. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you well, know, it, but I think like you're I right. It's like I was saying at the beginning of this whole thing where there's the kind of that reverse bell curve where you're that type of guy that's going to be getting that high-end animal that I want as my holdback. And, you know, like I said, like I have very, very good sales with that kind of stuff because there there are people like you and a couple other my really good customers that they only want the holdback stuff. They don't want to mess with, like, anything that's even high to mid-range. Um, they want the exceptional. And there, right. there's always going to be room for the exceptional, exceptional in any market that there is, um, and you know it's it's just the way it is. And then just like there's always going to be room for those those cheaper end animals um, that Absolutely. people want as pets. And you know, right now, unfortunately, that uh, that reverse bell curve, um, there's not a lot of action in there, and it's because there are so many from so many different breeders that you know, there, there just isn't that much action because nobody um, is looking for those eh, animals. You know what I mean? They they want the yeah, high end or the new ones. Well, and, and I think you have the, the the problem that's out there right now that I I see, and I and of course I don't I'm I'm not knowledgeable as knowledgeable as you guys and and understand it as much, but you have a few people out there that are selling, or let me rephrase that they're they're posting animals as a when they're they may not be you know what i mean because they've they've gotten animals from somebody you know my deal is is if you want the good stuff you go to the guy that's making the good stuff so therefore you know you've got that line and not somebody that has picked up roundabout ways and then they're saying oh yeah well i'm this is xyz pick your morph whatever when it may not the genetics may not be there yeah, you know, I mean, they're close. They're close, you know. And yeah. if you know, if you're not a, a true connoisseur. You're you're not going to pick up on the subtleties, you know, like you will. You'll look at something. I'm sure you see them every day. You know, somebody selling something, and you're going to say, "Baloney, that's not what that is." Yeah. You know, but the the average person may not know that. So then they buy it. In turn, they breed it and turn around, and so so it gets watered down again. You know. Yep. That's the that's the thing. That's, I always tell Dave. We 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 have these discussions sometimes, you know. And I always tell him, quality will always sell. Yep. If yeah. you've got good animals, it's always going to sell. If you don't have good animals, you're going to have trouble getting rid of it. Yeah. I sell my stuff, Daryl. To answer your question, I, I sell my stuff mostly um, by word of mouth. It seems and on shows. Like I don't even get a chance to like post it for sale. People, you know, email me and they're like, Dave, do you have one of these? I'm, I well, see, like I'm, I rest my case. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. That's just like answer, that's just, that's, negotiations with people, too. You know? Yeah, but the, the, you're selling good quality stuff, and they know if they get it from you, you know, or if they get it from Matt or Ron or John or, you know, there's there's several people out there, Marsh. You know, there's a lot of the guys out there that have the good stuff. And the, the smart people know if they get it at the right place that they're getting good quality stuff and they don't have to worry about it. Whereas... Yeah. yeah, you may find a cheap auction somewhere, you know, 
on some, you know, or see an animal posted on Facebook, and you think, oh man, that's a good price, but do you really know what it is? You know, yeah. not really. I mean, that that's yeah. what scares me. You know, yeah. I would hate to get an animal and then try to breed it. Yeah. Sure, I'd hate to get an animal from somebody that I don't know, and then breed it, and then if you do try to sell an animal, and then you're selling it as something that it's really not. And yep. you, you may not even know it. The person may not even know it. That's the scary thing. <laughs> no. All right. Yeah. So, well, it is what it is. All right, but, Daryl, I'm going to grab another call. Thanks for calling in. Okay, guys, yeah, appreciate thanks, it. I'll continue to listen. Uh-huh. All right. Talk to you All later, right. Daryl. You bet. All right. All right. Let's take a – see, you got a couple calls here. Call us from the 907 area. We're in overtime, folks, so we're going to keep going for a little bit longer. Uh, 907 – actually, wait, who's on longest? Uh, 407. We'll call her from the 407 area code. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. 407? 407, you there? Hey, Dave, this is Artie. How you doing? Um, hey, first Artie, time caller. Up? Hey, um, I just wanted, I know we've been discussing this on uh, on Gecko Nation for a little while as far as, uh, and, uh, and new guys like me who have been doing this very, very uh, short time in comparison to you guys. Um, but really, I've tried it a few times, and like you guys were saying, if you don't have a following, it really doesn't produce. But my reasoning for doing it, which uh, which I posted and I made it known, is just not necessarily to gain money, but maybe to start building a reputation. Um, like the previous caller said, a lot of times we don't get a fair shot, and we know where we get our animals. A lot of times we get them from you. Uh, a lot of you know people that deal directly with Gecko Nation, but uh, bear with me. Due to the fact that we are unknown, we don't get an opportunity, and people automatically bypass us. So we try to find ways to maybe get people to actually attempt to buy an animal and, and somewhat build a, a following and maybe a reputation to eventually, you know, get known a little bit. So well, I don't know if that makes hey, sense. Hey, Artie, have you seen all that I've done? Well, I don't know how long you've been following me, but... Um, with my YouTube channel, I used to run contests and giveaways. I've given away I don't know how many free geckos now. I've, you know, spent a lot of time on YouTube making videos and now on Facebook and with the radio show. I do everything I can to promote myself. I think everyone out there has to spend a lot of energy doing that in order to make a name for themselves. The more people, advertising is simple, and I think Matt will agree with me. The more you see a, a business. That's why people advertise anywhere they can. The more you see it, the more you feel comfortable with it because you see it all the time, and and it's like it's like that's advertising 101. So you got to get your you know that's part of the the secrets to business is advertising. And anybody cool. that's going to be successful successful will do that. What do you think, Matt? That, that's absolutely correct, and it's uh, it, mine was you know, a little bit more interesting because I, you know, kind of started working with somebody that was already in the business and then it just kind of evolved into my own. Um, so it was one of those weird parts where um, I, I think my biggest thing was actually just getting out of the shadow, per se, of, you know, my, my old business partner. Um, but, you know, that, that that happens with time. So it was one of those things where I never actually had to start from scratch, per se, um, because it was one of those things where it was just like an evolution of, you know, 
who was actually running the business at that point. Um, so I really didn't have to, you know, start from scratch, but I had to, um, you know, start doing other things to get noticed, like the YouTube channel, the Facebook stuff. Um, and then, you know, what I was creating at the same time with all the different combinations and stuff like that. And, yeah, it, it's definitely hard um, to get your foot in the door to get to get noticed. And, you know, some people <laughs> get noticed the right way and some people get noticed the wrong way. And um, oh, yeah. you definitely want to, you know, you definitely want to get to get noticed the good way and um you know i don't i don't see any problems with you uh you know trying to do some auctions to get your name out there at all um and you know the the other thing that you can do to get your name out there is you know the more you post in these groups the more people in those groups will know who you are and then they'll you know be more apt to you know buy off of you or even trade back and forth or whatever um and it's it's a long process and it takes it takes years um, and I think the biggest thing is just not to get discouraged um, with, you know, you know, this breeder's doing this and this breeder's doing that. Just, uh, you know, the biggest thing is just be your own person and, and find your own yeah. way. Um, right. And that, you know, that's that's the biggest thing. And if, you know, doing an auction here and there, or like Dave did, where he, you know, gave a couple geckos away, um, you know, sometimes that's what you got to do to get noticed and. I think the biggest thing is, you know, just be, um, you know, as, as truthful to everybody as possible and be out there and, you know, make friends in the industry. And, you know, the more the more you're out there, the more you get seen, the more people, Dave was saying, the, the more people will, will trust that, you know, that your animals are going to be, you know, good. So, right. it's, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where it's just a an evolution that, uh, you know, it definitely sucks, um, but you, you you definitely have to go through those tough times at the beginning to build up that name. Um, you know, you just can't, How bad you know, do you want, Gardy? Yeah, uh, yeah fair, exactly. Fairly bad. Fairly, I wouldn't say from a financial standpoint, I have a job and stuff that, that you know, that I do fairly well in. I just really, I really enjoy uh, uh, doing it for, it gives me a peace of mind, almost a tranquility, you know, that's the hybrid. I was in the military for a while, and it's my zen now. Um, so I got mm-hmm. out after 15 years, and I found leopard geckos, and it's been pretty smooth sailing since then. Um, so okay. that's why I do it. But, uh, you know, there's almost a stigma attached to auctions, whether they're good quality, whether people are getting what, you know, what I'm saying they're getting or whatnot. I know it's uh, floating around. So that's why I, I kind of am hesitant. I, I did it a few times to try to get, you know, people to see what I have, um, like I said, not for the money, but just for somebody to receive and say, hey, I got my gecko, beautiful gecko, and stuff like that, word of mouth to start going around. Um, but, yeah, it, it was just kind of, uh, after I did it a few times, I started seeing all these negative uh, comments about auctions, which kind of, as a new person, kind of got me a little nervous. I'm like, should I be doing this or should I not? So, uh, Arnie, first off, thank, thank you for your service and the... Yep, the other absolutely. thing is, uh, don't listen to negative people. Yeah, negative don't. people are the people that'll bring you down. And you know, if if you ever want to, you know, ask me or Dave anything, you know, just you know, just just have to deal with negative you know people. I mean? We know how to deal with them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're you're definitely going to have to deal with, you know, negative people, and just don't let them you know, determine what you are going to do. 
Um, only let the, the positive people help you do what you want to do. Don't let the negative people distract you from what you think um, is right and what you want your business or your hobby to grow into. That's that's the biggest thing. Awesome. I really appreciate yep. you guys. I appreciate you guys uh, taking my call, and uh, definitely enjoy listening. Thank you, guys. All right, Thank thanks for calling in, bud. All right, we got a we got a couple more calls here. You want to you want to take a minute? You got, you're up for yeah, it. Yeah, let's let, let's let's take all of them. Let's take all of them. Okay. I, have, I have nothing else to do. All right, cool. We got got a few more here. Uh, let's see, caller from uh, let's use on Bimo it's nine oh seven. Caller from the nine oh seven area code. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey, this is Marcy. Hey, Marcy, hey. how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Good. Are you, are you starting to get healthy What was that? That was the roach chow song, but I was, I was uh, asking you if you're, if you're starting to feel a little bit better. Yeah, I'm actually um, starting to feel a little better, so that's kind of nice. That's good. Good. But plus there's only like four feet of snow up there, right? What was that? I said, plus, there's not four feet of snow up there in Alaska. No, thank goodness. Uh, we've just got rain coming down. If it was snow, we'd be in trouble because it's been torrential lately. Oh, wow. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to say that, um, if, you know, really what you were talking about earlier, um, I've been following your page, Matt, for, I think, three years now. And sometimes the only way I will know you post something is because someone likes your post, and I'll get a notification in my feed that they liked your your post or a picture or comments on it. And I'll go look at it, and I'm like, oh, hey, that's cool, and I'll like it, you know, or whatever, comment on it or something. Um, but it really, uh, you know, the comments that you made were really accurate that if you're not on top of things, um, that it's amazing how quickly things will just like not appear in people's feeds, and they're really pushing towards you know paying for people to see your your feed, you know your posts. So. Yeah. 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 That's true. Yeah, that, that's, that's right, actually cool. even funnier because uh, we're actually friends on like our personal Facebooks as well, and you don't even see my business posts at all. So that's you know that's that's even more funny. Yeah, I don't I, I don't see I haven't seen one. Yeah, yeah, and it's, uh, it's I see, it's I like see a lot of your stuff, where, Marcy. Well, it really kind of irritates me sometimes because I'm like, really, um, I can't believe that uh, I don't see a single post, and it's you know I turn on the you know you know following and get notifications and all that. And it's like, wow, irritating. Yeah, yeah, that definitely is. And then, you know, it's it's, it's like you're saying, like uh, you've been following it for two, three years, and you know, it just kind of disappeared. Yeah. Yep. Let me let me turn my ringer off on the other phone. I'm being harassed by my family. All right. Um, do you have any other questions, Marcy? I'll go. 
No, I just wanted to thank you guys for uh, putting on the show tonight and um, also uh, put in a little plug. You guys are both involved with the auction uh, for Bruder Shield, so I just wanted to put in a little plug for that uh, real quick and uh, say thanks to everybody who's been involved with that. So thank you very much. I haven't picked out which one I want to donate yet, but I'll put something in really cool. Don't worry. Yeah, cool, the, yeah. The thank you, Marcy, for uh, being one of the the lead or taking the lead on that as well. Um, you and uh, Yvonne in in getting everything set up, and because uh, definitely me and John don't have enough time to uh, you know do do as much uh, on that as as we would like to. And you know, we definitely appreciate you guys. Uh, you know, doing most of the work on that on that uh, uh, Facebook group. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a busy two days, and I'm happy to do it, and uh, definitely uh, care about uh, Jared. Uh, care about you know our fellow breeders. If it was either one of you, I'd be doing the same thing, um, and I'd hope that if I was in the same position, or something happened to me, that everyone would you know be doing something for me. So, of course, yes, exactly. So, awesome. Thank you, Marcy. Yeah, thank you. All Marcy. right, thank you. You have a good night, gentlemen. Okay. Okay. You thanks. Um, got another caller here. Uh, before I take this call, Matt, I got a question for you, man. Um, okay. And I think you can. I think you're. You you, you can uniquely appreciate the situation and offer me some advice, possibly. Uh, you've seen all that I've put into Gecko Nation Group and how well it's doing, and um, you know during my uh, over the last four or five years that I've been trying to, you know, better my business, better my operation and whatnot, I've certainly had a few people that have went out of their way to make things difficult for me. And now that they see the success of the group and uh, stuff, they, they want to get into my group because they see it as a way to promote themselves. And, you know, uh, and I don't feel an obligation to allow those people in. Some of these people have done some terrible things, uh, said and done terrible things uh, about me and to me. And um, Do I have an obligation to let them promote themselves off of my successes? I mean, how do you feel yeah, about that? Absolutely not. Those type of people are leeches, and, uh, you know, if they want to be successful, they can put in the hard work, blood, sweat, and tears, and do it themselves. But those, you know, but for those reasons that I don't let them in the group, they continue to say things about me and you know, and of course, new people don't know the back history and what they've done to me. These people only say uh, that I won't allow them in my group. They don't know, they don't know the history. So it kind of like it upsets me in a sense where, yeah, these people not only I don't know. It's like, you know, they're <laughs> they're mad at me for being pissed off at them for doing terrible things to me. You know what I mean? I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, but don't don't listen to the negative people. <laughs> I don't listen to them and I don't let them affect me. I'm just more particular concerned about, you know, do I really need to let them into my group? And I guess I don't, right? I mean, it's, and no, I don't, it's your, I don't it's, like, your, it's, it's your, it's your group. You can run it however you want to. And that's basically the end like of the story. Right. I don't want to run it like a Nazi either, but at the same time, you know, it's, I don't see a net, benefit, net gain benefit for it. So, all right. Yeah. Um, let's take this other caller. Caller from the 508. 
area code. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Good evening. It's Rachel. Oh, hey, Hi, Rachel. So How's it going? Yes, I did. Um, I actually wanted to bring this up because I see this every time we discuss auctions anywhere online. Somebody comes in mm-hmm. with the market killer comment, and at that yep. point I usually walk away because I'm going to go on a rant in a comment somewhere and <laughs> just go nuts. <laughs> so would you please give your best explanation to these people why it will not kill the market in the grand scheme of things? Yes. Good, good point. Good question. Go ahead, Matt. One animal does not kill the market of anything. <laughs> what? what? I don't get it. I said, I said one animal does not kill the market of anything. Oh, um, one animal. Or, or two animals or three animals. It is when what kills the market is, um, I mean, overproduction can definitely kill it. Um People that are not intelligent enough to know how many animals of a particular can be sustained in a market is another. Um, But it's like I was saying, this is all very, very layered. Um, So if you don't have a good understanding of what most of these layers do and are, then, you know, you're going to be crap out of luck. Um, you know, like uh, Daryl was saying, there's always room for high-end stuff. There always is. Um, I don't care whether it's the worst year in leopard geckos. If there's an exceptional animal out there, it will sell. No doubt about it, it will sell, and it will probably sell for a lot more money than what people would even think that a leopard gecko could even go for. Um, Market killers... Um, in some ways I think it's almost a myth um, because there are no market killers. There are some market things that will affect the sales of animals that they'll make them go down, definitely. But it's not ever going to kill a market. Um, What about the breeders that don't have the good reputations that have some uh, decent animals? They're not going to get those higher in prices, so they have to, they're kind of forced to sell lower. We've seen that too, right, Matt? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's always somebody out there that's willing to sell an animal for cheaper than somebody else. Um, right. That's just the way it is. Um, and, you know, those are usually the people that you have to watch out for and all this other stuff because, you know, why are they, you know, pushing their animals so much, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But at the, you know, at the same time, um you know, the perfect example is there was a bell, white, and yellow um, animal that went for auction on my auction that it went for a lot lower than it was supposed to. Um, and I think that was the one that really triggered a lot of people to be like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, that's the end of white <laughs> and yellows and blah, blah, blah. Um, that is definitely not true. Um, it's kind of funny because, you know, I look at it as a different way than everybody else does. Um, you know, that animal was an unsexed baby that still hasn't even left my facility yet. Um, and, you know, like I said, it's an 80% chance of that thing being a female. Okay? So if you look at that, the 
that animal being able to reproduce within, you know, the calendar year of 2014, it won't even reproduce this year. So as far as killing a market, the only thing that will kill the market is if people see that and they're sitting on 500 bell white and yellows that look exactly the same thing and they just dump them for $10. That's what kill the market. One animal does not kill a market at all, um, especially one that's not even going to be able to produce within the next calendar year. Um, if, yeah, I, this, if, if this animal would have been, say, a Bell Mac radar white and yellow that was 75 grams and literally was leaking hemipenal like fluid, um, and oh went to oh you know went to you know some facility that had you know 400 breeder radar females ready to go. Um, that could be a problem, but you know as I'm saying, you know one unsexed baby that is probably a girl, in my opinion, is not a problem. Um, no. The thing so. that makes it the thing that makes it a problem is any People sort of blowing hype. It out of proportion. Exactly. Any sort of hype that made it more of a problem. Um, and, you know, I, I said at the very beginning, any publicity is good publicity. That actually drew more publicity to the remaining auctions for the rest <laughs> of two weeks. So oh I would like to personally thank the people that said auctions <laughs> are so bad. Um, because after that, we did so much better. <laughs> so, That's the audience um, laughing. Yeah. So, you know, talk about, you know, manipulating the uh, Facebook analytics. I, you know, uh, that definitely did. So it's, it's one of those things where, um, uh, you know, one animal is not going to kill the market. I mean, I, I've seen other auctions where, you know, literally a breeder-sized animal is left for $35. And, you know, that's, I'm not worried about it. It's not going to kill the market. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's one animal. And I think that's what a lot of people really have to tell themselves is that's one animal out of about 400,000 that are produced in the U.S. alone. So, you know, I wouldn't worry about any of the the private breeders, even even my size breeder, killing the market of anything. What you should be concerned about is, you know, any of the big three getting some of these animals and reproducing them on a large enough scale that you're seeing them in Petco. That but would kill even the then, even then though, Matt, you can't trust those genetics, and you don't know what else is in them. So even then, it wouldn't and, be that big of a deal. And and that's very true. And to be honest with you, like, I know that one of those three breeders has white and yellow, and that's not to scare anybody, but at the same time, you know, you have to remember that, like, they can get a hold of this stuff just like we can, and a lot of times it's easier for them, because they buy, like, a huge lot of animals off of some guy that's going out of business, and all of a sudden they have everything. Um, the right. good part that you know, hobbyists and, you know, breeders such as myself have over them is 
able to know what the genetics are of our animals. Um, right. They're literally mixing everything that they can to produce more animals. And, you know, that's, it, it's, it's like, it goes back to what Daryl said. You know, high-end animals will always sell. And it's, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, everything will drop in price because there's always going to be that next best animal. Um, you got to look at, you know, these animals as we are building on top of them. I mean, look at, you know, I, I sold the first ever dream pickle male. Um, I, I'm pretty sure he went for $5,000 whenever I sold him. Um, and now look at the price of dream sickles. I mean, nobody even breeds them. And that was back in, I want to say it was 2009 that I sold it. And so we're talking less than five years. It went from 5000 to you don't even see dream sickles on the market. And, and, and this is just one of those things where, you know, and that's not like because of the Enigma syndrome or because of this or that. It's just the reality of leopard geckos. I mean, the first one ever produced, I mean, you can get a lot of money for it. And then the price drops, and then every year after that, you're looking at at least a 30% drop in price unless they get down to a point where, you know, that's their, their bottom price. And then it's, it's almost like a rebound effect after that where once stop people producing them, then the price starts going back up again. So it's it's one of those things where you know everything has has its ebbs and flows, and it's you just have to be mindful of everything. And you know, one Facebook auction is not going to destroy any market on any specific morph ever. It's just the way. And it I is. think in this I think in this particular in particular situation, Rachel uh, Matt is watched very closely by the people that don't like him for whatever reasons and. It's kind of like a situation where, you know, anything that they can exploit to try to, you know, make them look bad for any reason they can think of is going to happen. I mean, it doesn't happen kind of regularly, Matt. They're looking for any flaw in your presentation or whatever, you know, kind of like a hater thing, isn't it, more or less? Uh, it, it could be. Um, I'm not going to speculate on, you know, what happens or all this other stuff um, because, I mean, frankly... It, it doesn't affect my daily life or operation. Um, mm. So it's one of those things where, and that's not to be like cocky or conceited or anything like that. It's just it's happened so much in my career that if right. I would let it bother me, then I would be in a mental institution. So at this <laughs> point, it just doesn't. And, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, the person that won that animal, they got a great deal. But... You know, the next week I posted another animal that was exactly the same for $400. And, you know, that one is for sale for $400. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it, it didn't even affect my price of what I'm going to be selling them for in the future. I mean, it was just one right. of those things where, wow, I just lost my butt on that one, so let's not have it happen again. It's like having yeah. $20 stolen from you, or in this case, yep. $300. So you literally, you know, you chalk it up to, well, right now that sort of animal is not going to sell for that price. So let's not put more of the same thing up driving the price down even further. You know what I mean? So 
Right. It's just one of those things. You have to um, you, you have to know how much your customers are willing to spend at this moment in their life. And then you have right. to kind of cater to what they're willing to spend. I mean, you can't... Uh, you can't put a thousand dollar animal up for auction whenever everybody only can afford fifty bucks because you're gonna sell it for fifty dollars. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things. So so that's whenever you put up fifty dollar animal. And then you just put the thousand dollar animal on the shelf, you grow it up a little bit, and you know, you wait. And, you know, then you you know, our our boy our boy Daryl will come along and he'll buy the thousand dollar animal. I mean it's it's that simple. Um so and I was just saying that, like, because we were just talking to him, that doesn't mean that he goes out and buys every single thousand-dollar animal. But, um, well, he may. You know, it, it's just he one may. of those things. It, yeah. Or, or it might be somebody else. I mean, um, you know, like love I you, said. Darryl. Uh, yeah, yeah, we love you, Daryl. Um, it, it was like I was saying, uh, um, I, I made a post in Gecko Nation the other day where, you know, I just put up 80 animals for sale, and literally two of the top three most expensive ones sold within 30 seconds. So, you know, there there is no death of the market right now or anything like that. I think that's just people getting all, getting all crazy at this point because it's summertime, and typically... Right. people are at the beach. The, yeah, <laughs> and I wish I was at the beach instead of cleaning gecko poop up all day. Me too. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where, um, you know, like this is the, the hardest time of the year um, for sales because everybody and their brother is hatching out babies and they've got more animals than they know what to do with. And yeah. it's one of those things that sales are going to be tough unless you have a huge influx of new people at this time coming in, which usually, even if there is, sales are still going to be soft because everybody and their brother has a a bunch of animals. So well, that's a good point. Let me jump like in your – Matt, let me jump in for a second. Now, that's a good point. And this is a point I try to make a lot is, you know, you, I think we all need to make our own customer base. And there's people out there that just aren't doing that. And um, they're breeding. They're breeding great geckos. And they're probably and they're, a lot of them are great people. Um, but they're not, they're not promoting their product. They're not out there um, bringing in new – enthusiasm and new followers and new people and new hobbyists. So they're kind of just siphoning off of the same small pool of customers. So wouldn't you think, though, that it's, I think it's kind of everyone's responsibility that if you want to get into the business business end of this, that part of it is uh, growing your brand and part of it is growing your name and, and, and bringing in your own customers. Don't you feel that is true? Uh, definitely. Um, that is a, definitely a huge part of it. Um, because if you keep the same customer base, all your customers have the same exact stuff that you do. So now right. your job is, you know, four times as hard because now it's not just you that has that animal. It's, you know, you and five of your friends, and you're still trying to sell to those five friends. So it's, right. it's one of those things. If you're not, if you're not growing outward as well, um, it, it's absolutely impossible for you to survive. Um, and he, I mean, here's a perfect example. I haven't made a YouTube video. Well, I, I made one of like the new facility like a few months back, but before that, it, it's been over a year. And literally, every time I make a post on Facebook, and I know all you guys are listening out there, and I'm sorry, but <laughs> every time that I make a post on Facebook, it's like, when are you going to do another video? 
And it's like, <laughs> uh, you know, like, so that was, that just shows you how much people are still watching my YouTube videos from years ago. And right. it's one of those things that, um, you know, that's, YouTube is one of those things that's always there and people can, people can always see it later. So that's actually bringing in new customers for me whenever it was done, you know, three years ago. You know what I mean? So that's right. the, the kind of thing that people need to do. They need to get themselves out there and more visual so that, you know, they can still be attracting these new people all the time. You've you got you to cast out a big net if you want to catch, you know, a lot of fish. And but all they're doing, that's, for the most part, is getting bitter that nothing's coming their way. And, you know, they're only in a few Facebook groups complaining, it seems like, and, but they're not out there doing that. So that, that's, that's, that's what they need to do. I, and, and I want to see other people successful, too. I just, you know what I mean? I mean, these are good tips you're giving, Matt, and I hope they take, you know, take advantage of this information. Um, and it, but, yeah. You know, it's, it, it's very true, and it's, uh, you know, it, it's like, you know, some people say people would, you know, put as much effort into complaining as into growing, then they would right. be much more better grow. off. But, you yeah. know, it's one of those things that you can't, uh, uh, you can definitely uh, lead these people to water, but you can't make them drink, you know what I mean? So right. a exactly. lot of people have to learn the hard way, and, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. And, you know, hopefully we, we answered her question here and then probably added about, 30 more cents into it. Um, I don't know. So. How do we do, Rachel? No, that was great. And I agree those comments do have the petty tone. I just worry people are going to read that and go, oh, wait, what do you mean? Auction's killing the market? Oh, no. You know, like an overreact. Yeah. And, you know, Daryl is right. There are people out there who are always going to pay for quality. And like you said, with the expensive animal selling, there's people out there who just, you know, they know who's producing what they're going to want, and they just wait. And when something goes up for sale, they grab it, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. There's not a yep. lot of people then, out there kind of stalking the auctions, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And, right. That, and, that's, and that's one of those things, like, and that's what you got to remember. And I, I think I even told Dave this whenever, you know, well, I actually, I know that I told Dave this whenever um, he was thinking about doing the Facebook auctions. And I was like, you know, the word of advice that I had for Dave was don't put up an animal that you would feel bad only getting like $50 for because, you know, that could be the reality of stuff. You might only get $50. Especially if I'm just starting out too, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's going to take a while for me to establish it. You don't don't put up a $400 animal and expect to get 300 bucks out of it. I mean, you got to put up stuff that, you know, maybe it'll go, but, you know, if it doesn't go for a lot, you got to be really willing to take that risk. And, you know, right now, I'll, I'll even put this out there and because it's, Be it's basically, well, no, it's knowledge that people could see if they, they looked at my Facebook. The average right now uh, that people are spending on a Facebook auction gecko, no matter what it is, is, is definitely under 100 bucks, And it's definitely under 75 most of the time, unless it's something that's pretty nice. I mean, you're looking at an average of, you know, $40, $50, $60. And if you're not willing to take that much for that animal that you just put up, don't put it up. Because that's, yeah. that's the reality of things right now, is that that's the price range that things are going for. 
And, I mean, if you take a look at the 120, 140 animals that I put up, I mean, that's the average. And it doesn't matter what, what animals are up there. Sure, some of them will go for, you know, over 100. Um, you know, the, I, even that, like, bell white and yellow only went for, like, uh, like 140, 150 or something like that. So that right there tells you that, like, stuff's not going to go for two, $300 no matter what it is. So you literally right. have to put stuff up there that you're not going to be upset that it went for a lower price. And, and that's what I tried to put up for most of them was those animals that, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be nice animals, but they're not my high-end stuff. And, you know, it's, it's just a, a product of what I'm producing at this point. And, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people that are listening, if they actually look through all those auctions and stuff like that, a lot of this stuff is like, you know, possible triple hats and possible, you know, hats for this or that. And it's just byproducts of projects that I'm actually trying to work on. And instead of wholesaling these animals out, what I yeah, decided to do this year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and it's just like Dave said, like, and, and Dave has seen me at shows, and he knows that every show that I bring, you know, baby animals, they're not labeled what they are at all, and they literally are 10 or 15 bucks for kids, and that is literally what I'm putting up there on these Facebook auctions right now, and they're going for 40 or $50, so <laughs> what person in their right mind would not take 40 or $50 over $10, so... I mean, that's just the the business side of it. I mean, granted, is it more visible for everybody to see? Yeah, it's more visible for everybody to see. <laughs> it's hilarious. But, it's crazy. But it's, you know, you know it's, it's one of those things where, you know, and that's not knocking the, these animals because these animals are worth, you know, what people are paying for them. They're it, all it's good just, stuff, yeah. It, it's just that, you know, now I'm actually taking the time to take a picture of every single animal and put it up and to you know, actually do these things um, and, and give people the genetics. Like, whenever I sell them that cheap, it shows there's no genetics at all. Like, I don't tell people the genetics because then, you know, that could really hurt markets as well if, you know, somebody bought, you know, 30 of these things and then started producing, like, really crazy stuff because they knew what the genetics were. So that's right. always been my thing at the, at the shows, like any of these cheap ones. Um, you know, I just don't tell people the genetics. Or if I sell, like, wholesale lots to people and stuff like that, they never get to know the genetics because they're not paying for the genetics. These people that are, you know, buying them on the Facebook auction, they're paying for the genetics because I'm putting them up there. If I would just put, like, an animal up there that, you know, I don't say the genetics, um, you know, it's going for the $20 minimum, and that's it, because nobody wants it if they don't know the genetics of it. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it's... Uh, it, it's one of those things where, you know, it's it, it's it's crazy not to do the Facebook auctions in some in some ways for some of these animals, and then it's crazy to do them for other animals, and that just goes back to that whole you know market and and layering thing, where you know I'm not going to put up like a holdback breeder on on an auction and be like, oh, I, I hope this gets a thousand dollars because it's not. You know what I mean? It's, uh, um, you know, it just isn't going to happen. So you, you really have to, you know, you have to know your audience, and then you have to get the audience to see what you're doing. So it's, um, right. you know, it's just definitely one of those things. 
Hey, Rachel, what's your uh, Facebook, what's your reading operation called? I think I put her to sleep. Well, maybe. I'm looking, Rachel, you there? looking to go there in a few years, so. Do you, do you, so you don't have a you don't have a name for your breeding operation yet? No, I thought I'd wait till I got some actual breeders, you know. <laughs> oh, okay. But no, right. I'm playing the long game. So this uh this has been a great show, guys. It's a lot of food for thought for those of us who aren't quite in the business yet, but are looking at it. Well, I hope it helps everybody. I really do. And, and you know, it'll be good to see more people having fun, not only breeding them, but also you know, making a little bit of their, you know, return on their investments. That's important. So, you know, I, I hope it helps. I really do. All right, we're going to start wrapping things up, Rachel. Thank you for calling in. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Rachel. All right. Wow, Matt, we did uh, two two hours and 40 minutes. Um, I think did, if anybody did we has break the any record? questions. <laughs> well, no, I think we did a three-hour show, and it was with you. I think it was one oh, of the roundtable episodes, too. Yeah, but... um. Wow. I, I mean, if anybody has any questions about, you know, the auctions, the market, this show is a go-to episode as far as I'm concerned. And I'm sure the, the information here is going to be relevant for a while. And if it isn't, we'll certainly do an update. Um, how do you feel about it, man? I think we did good tonight. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think it's going to be relevant until Facebook changes their analytics again, and then then we're, mm-hmm. <laughs> then we're going to be crap out of luck, I think. But then uh, we'll have yeah. to just make another uh, – we'll just have to make another one of these four-hour marathons of how everything works. <laughs> right. But, I mean, I think so. But I, I think you, you, we talked enough about the business end of things, too, for the new people to get a, get some tips and tricks, too, and, um, you know, at least to get get started on the way to, to building something for themselves, which I think is important. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, cool, Matt. Hey, listen, I, I want to thank you for giving us your time and um, also some insight into your your operation in the business end of things. That's it's really cool of you to offer that information. A lot of people are very uh, secretive about their business and how they do things. So for you to actually um, be willing and open to help people and discuss it, that's that's really cool of you. So, you know, thank you very much for that. Well, no problem, Dave, and uh, definitely uh, thank you for uh – you know, giving me the opportunity to talk about all these things. Um, and it's, it's like I said on the Facebook group, it, uh, there was definitely a lot more to this than what I could write, you know, easily in a couple minutes. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think that that's, that's the biggest thing that people need to understand is that this isn't a, you know, black and white issue. This is a very, very colorful issue with many, many, you know, different things that you have to take into consideration. And if you don't take all of them into consideration, you don't get the the proper picture of what is actually going on. Right. Right. And if you're in it to win it, you'll figure it out. If you're just, you know, not really in it to win it, then you probably won't last that long. But, you know, there are trials and tribulations with any business and with any serious venture. And uh, you're going to have to toughen up a little bit. That's the, the cold hard truth about things and um get in the get in the, the fight to win, right, Matt? Yep, that's right. Couldn't be any couldn't put it any simpler. All right, awesome. We're gonna wrap it up. Hey Matt, thanks again and look forward to our, our next talk on Gecko Nation Radio. All right, talk to you later, Dave. All right, take care. All right folks, uh did good tonight. I I'm really 
really happy about the way everything went. Uh, check out the outro, and I'll come back with my closing remarks. Gecko Nation Radio is a David Spine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. The jazz music you heard tonight was generously donated and created by Jeremy Turgeon of J&D Reptiles. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for the great musical pieces. You can check out Jeremy at J&D Reptiles on YouTube and on Facebook. And a very special thank you to our news anchor, graphic designer, and audio tech, Steve Barker. All the graphics, audio sponsor plugs, and music overlays were assembled by Steve. Check out Steve on YouTube at BC Barker Creations. He has some terrific videos for the herb community with amazing geckos and snakes. Please support the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance and U.S. ARC. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to support both of these organizations. Please donate to U.S. ARC so that they have the funds needed to legally protect pet owners' rights nationwide. You can donate to the U.S. ARC Legal Defense Fund at www.usarc.org. If you would also like to learn about advocacy and how you can take action on a state and local level, please subscribe to the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance newsletter and blog at www.usherp.org. All right, folks. Um, my closing remarks are this. I am still learning the business side of this myself, and um, I'm slowly getting to the point where, you know, my operation is a decent size now. And it's only because I love these leopard geckos, and I love all these different morphs, and I can't, I'm not just happy with just a few of them. So in order to produce them and enjoy them, I have to, you know, grow and sell my offspring and do that, and it's just part of the game. So you know, one of the things that I've learned is, um, you know, I, I'm the type of guy where I kind of have my heart on my sleeve a lot of the time, and people will come at you too. Like if you're really doing something cool and you've got some amazing genetics, you're going to have people that don't, you know, feel like theirs are as good as yours, and you're going to get some, you're going to get some negativity flown at you. Try not to let that affect you. That's easier said than done, but with every experience like that, you just become a little tougher and you get used to it and you see it for what it is and you just, you rise above it. And you you almost thank those people. Yeah, you actually do. You thank them for toughening you up and getting you thicker skinned about things because that's, that just helps you progress. And do the one thing I, I've noticed is try not to worry about what, what your competitor is doing. Try not to worry about what, even if you are jealous of somebody, Try not to focus on what they're doing. Take that energy. Focus on your own endeavor, okay? Spend that energy building your own endeavor because that person that you're envious of probably isn't even thinking about you, but you're spending a lot of time thinking about them. Don't waste your energy on that. If this is your life, okay, do your best at bettering yourself, okay? Because if everybody were to do that, the world would be a much better place, all right? And... If some of us can do that, you know, we can definitely make our little niche better. All right, and that's certainly how I'm, you know, living my life. And uh, it's not always easy, but you've got to work at it. All right, you guys can do it. And uh, I just want to thank everybody for keeping Gecko Nation, one of the friendliest, most positive groups on Facebook. Um, we're almost at 3,000 members, which is incredible. And it's uh, just a great place to post and uh, get help from other great people in the community. And also want to remind everyone about Breeder Shield. It's a new group, and it's specifically for uh, helping 
our own in times of need. Uh, right now, Jared Johnson from Only the Best Geckos uh, is in need. He's, he needs help right now. And uh, like the name suggests, uh, he's pretty much got Only the Best Geckos. He's certainly made the investment into some high-quality animals. And uh, so if you want to uh, help in his, um, his, his auctions right now, that would be great. We're going to be putting the auctions in the group. So you may be able to get a good deal on some great animals while helping out a good cause. Um, so, all right, folks. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Gecko Nation Radio. This was a special edition show, and we will certainly do these as important topics in the community uh, pop up. I'd rather do a show about them as they're happening than uh, let everybody, you know, wonder and speculate and have the hearsay run about. We got right to the point tonight and um, pretty much discussed everything that was on everybody's minds. And I want to thank all the callers, of course, as well. You guys called in with great questions. And, of course, everybody that was in our chat room. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for supporting Gecko Nation Radio. And until next week, we're going to do it again. Good night, folks. Oh, before I go, I want to mention my sponsors. My sponsors are awesome. Um, these are the best, some of the best businesses and uh, people in the community, okay? Um, it's, it's one of those things where... I'm very particular about who we bring on to the show for uh, sponsorship and even for the guests. I want to make sure that the people that are represented here are, you know, just very good people, worthy, not scammers, anything like that. I want you guys to have a safe place to buy your products and get your animals. So first off, the Elfiated Dragon, uh, best place to buy your reptile supplies uh, at all the Northeast Expos, and they're building a new website that's geared for online sales. Uh, in the meantime, if you guys would like to order something from the Elevator Dragons, you're going to get 20 to 50% off normal pet star prices, okay? Just contact me or them on Facebook, okay, or at dalesbeardedragons.com. abdragons.com is your source for Duvia roaches and FlexWat EP. Use the code GECKO, all in caps, at checkout. You're going to get 5% off, okay? High-quality Dubia roaches, the best. Gecko Boa Reptiles, geckoboa.com. That's John Scarborough, awesome breeder. Got terrific wild types. Um, amazing, uh, you know, crested, no, I'm sorry, amazing leopard gecko morphs. And he's got a variety of just very strange uh, animals that you don't see too much in the trade. So definitely check out geckoboa.com and on Facebook. Um, of course, Wally from Supreme Gecko working on some great crested morphs and day geckos and even micro geckos, really tiny ones. Uh, he's got supplies and food for all those as well. Uh, so check out SupremeGecko.com. Uh, Ohio Gecko is that. He's doing a great job making some beautiful tangerines, fat tails, and some really cool snow variations. So check out OhioGecko.com. He's on Facebook too. He's also the owner and uh, main moderator of GeckoForums.net the best place to get your uh, gecko, leopard gecko information going back to 2006. All right. Rainbow Mealworms, the biggest, uh, biggest worm farm in the world, is a proud sponsor of the show, and we are certainly proud to have them with us. Jillian Spence is a pleasure to deal with and work with, and she's helped the, re the gecko and reptile community out immensely. And uh, just want to thank her for just supplying us with amazing quality worms and at really affordable prices. So thank you very much, Julian, from RainbowMealworms.net. 
Uh, ReptilesExpress.com, the best reptile shipping company you can use. Customer service, most ethical, and Debbie is just a doll. She will help you learn how to ship your animals safely if you've never done it before. And they have the best rates going right now. So ReptilesExpress.com. Mr. Ron Tremper, the king of leopard geckos. LeopardGecko.com. You can check out his pro app, LeopardGecko Pro and LeopardGecko Care. It's on uh, in the App Store for smartphones. And also his book, Leopard Geckos, The Next Generations, is going to be reprinted. So make sure you get that from his website and ask him to autograph it for you. All right? Ron Tremper has been one of the most, if not the most, instrumental people in leopard gecko morph making for the last 30 plus years. So check out Ron Tremper. GiantLeopardGecko.com, Keith Kiggins. Just like the name is, he's got the big leopard geckos. If you like the really supersized ones in really pretty, incredible morphs, check out GiantLeopardGecko.com. Very happy to have him on board. And last but not least, Marcy Sowers from MS2 Premium Chow. Uh, you are what you eat, folks, so make sure your feeder insects are eating the highest quality food, okay? This way your animals are going to be eating the highest quality food. MS2 Premium Chow, that's the way to go. All right, folks, have a good night. Until next time.